Welcome to the WrestleBlast podcast. Uh, my name's not Eric Bischoff, but I'm back and I'm better than ever. And joining me as always is uh, the gobbledygooker himself, uh, Mr. Brown Pants, uh, Andre Wakefield. Yes, the nicknames are back. I'm so happy. Well, I did remember after last time. I did try and come up with something a little bit uh, seasonal, obviously with it being Thanksgiving there for yourself. And uh, Oh, yeah. Well, the Brown Pants isn't a reference to you've shit yourself. It's more a reference to Shawn Michaels. So... Uh, just to clarify that, folks. <laughs> Ask some questions about that. Okay. Um, Later on. All right, fair enough. Well, um, how you doing, man? How you keeping? I'm all right. We're recording right now. It's Thanksgiving, but like I told you before we started recording, I'm not really doing much. So um, I have some good news and some bad news. Okay. The good news is I got a new PC, 3080 graphics card, Ugh. 64 gigs of RAM. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is when it came in the mail, it had a 20 centimeter crack in it, and Oof. then another like five centimeter crack in it. So I have to ship it back tomorrow and hopefully get an exchange. Hopefully, like within a month or so. Because right now with the holidays, the shipping is crazy. I'm it's really sure. slow and disorganized. So who knows when I'll get it. I'm sure, yeah, Amazon are talking about doing uh, a walkout, all their staff, at least in the UK, and I don't blame them, um, you know, yeah. Black Friday in the season coming up, it's uh, they get treated like shit anyway, so I, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. What a brutal man, 3080, wow, that's awesome. Um, so what's this replacing? Yeah. So you've, so for those of you not into gaming, 3080s are sort of like the latest, um, you know, super powerful graphics card that you can stick in a PC and make anything look like a million dollars. What's what's yeah, what's this? It's like it's like the, it's like the Bentley of yes graphics cards. <laughs> absolutely, yes. It's absolutely. replacing a, a nine seventy. Same as me. Yes, I've had for I can't believe this, but seven years already. I built this. This is the first PC I built, ah. and I feel I feel like it was just a year ago, but it's already seven years old, which in PC world is like ancient. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, the 970 that I've got still runs uh, most games mid, medium to high. So, uh, yeah, this is a good. This is an investment for the next ten years, I'd say. So, I think you'll be doing yeah. well to get it. I, I tried running Forza on a on a 970. It was not looking good. Yeah, I'm having the same issues with <laughs> Battlefield 2042 at the moment myself. But uh, uh, thankfully, I have a laptop with a 2080, so I, I still got the games covered. But it's just. A laptop is not very comfortable to work on, especially when you're editing videos, so... Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough, yeah. 
Ah, uh, well, you know, in the in the world of uh, Northern Ireland, over here with me, um, not a lot happening. Uh, I'm laying floor at the moment. Well, not right now, obviously. Um, but I'm laying herringbone flooring in my hall and my kitchen, and that's been killing me for the past week. Um, hence why I'm having a nice pint of Guinness. And anyone listening can't obviously see this, but there's a nice pint of Guinness I've got here. I bought myself... I treated myself to this little gadget again. People can't see it, but it's called a nitro serger unit. Um, oh. They come in these special pint cans of Guinness. Um, it's supposed to be like the real thing. It's not quite, um, but it's better than a tin of draft Guinness. So I'm enjoying that at the moment. Um, and yeah, Battlefield 2042 came out. I know you haven't been playing it. I'm not sure if you're really into Battlefield, but uh, you know uh, I've been playing Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon, that's right. Yeah, so we were talking about that the last time. Uh, yeah. It's it's you know a lot of people are slating Battlefield at the moment. Uh, it's got some graphics issues. It's got a lot of bugs. There was a patch today, but I've been enjoying it. I think so far so good. It's it's a very um, it's a very open ended. Battlefield game instead of having it limited to nineteen, you know, the nineteen forties and World War Two, or just being a modern shooter, you can you can play anything. They've they've integrated all these different uh, things in Battlefield portals, so you can play as if you want to play a World War Two map with modern weaponry, you can do that. If you want to play a modern map with World War Two weaponry, you can do that, and uh, it's very cool. It's nice to go back oh, and play I, I... some of the old ones. I didn't know it was it would have uh, different time periods. I thought it was mm. just oh another futuristic military shooter, which we've seen a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, they've learned their lesson. But yeah, that sounds yeah. cool. It is. It's very cool, and you can have modern weapons on one team versus classic weapons on another team. I don't know why you would mm. do that, um, but a, a, apparently sounds like that would make some balancing issues, but. Yes, they've had some issues with people farming XP levels in it. Um, not to get too boring for people who are not into video games, but um, they've been uh, people can make ma customized maps. So they've been uh, basically one side has knives and the other side has guns. Who wins? Well, it, it's kind of obvious, and they were doing it for XP farming. A lot of people online, so uh, EA have been obviously putting the ban hammer down and trying to stamp that sort of thing out. Not banning people, but certainly trying to stop people from doing that sort of thing, which didn't go down too well. So anyway, Battlefield 2042. Leave it another week or two, and we'll see what kind of patches we get. There was one today, and I'm hoping it's going to be a big game changer. So we'll see. Now, we're. Uh, we're going to be talking today about our episode Survivor Series 2002, which was on November 17th, so we're not too far removed from that, which is good. Um, well, in terms of November 17th anyway, not the year 2002, it's quite a while away now. Um, I wanted to get your sort of um, status update of where you were at that time, what were you sort of doing, um, whereabouts were you? So this is actually kind of interesting. This is my all-time favorite period of wrestling, I would say. I actually started watching WWE in July 4th of 2002, so <laughs> shortly before this pay-per-view. And I remember I was just so high on WWE at this time, and I was just so excited about all these pay-per-views. and. Uh, the brand split was really cool at that time and like all these stars and all the WCW favorites coming back So, um, yeah, I was 11 years old. I was a kid mm -hmm. Still thought wrestling was real for the most part <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to figure it out a little bit that it's like, okay, this can't be real I also started discovering dirt sheets online and 
uh, I would read like, oh, this guy's gonna win this championship next month or whatever. And then he does it, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe this is kind of scripted, you know? But still, there was a, a, about 70% of me that thought this was real. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. I mean, back in that stage, I, I knew it was not real, but I was watching it and wanting to believe, and, you know, I would I would look at it with very sort of, uh, you know, uh, eager eyes, I'd say, at the time. And uh, this is certainly one of my favorite periods of uh, the WWE, uh, as it had uh, been rebranded at this stage. Um and yeah it's a great period uh, this is the period of the smackdown six i guess you could call it this is also known as the ruthless aggression era uh this is obviously after the sort of attitude era sort of finished up in the, the late 90s um so when what you've got here is a more sort of in-ring savvy uh wrestling product that the wwe was putting out compared to uh the 90s which were good and um, there were some good matches in there but very sort of character based, very sort of heavily st story driven. And as we sort of moved into the early 2000s, you had WCW folding and a lot of wrestlers being uh, brought into WWE uh, and certainly in 2002. And on this card tonight on Survivor Series 2002, uh, there was a, a new announcement or a new wrestler coming in who hadn't signed in the initial uh, wave of wrestlers that had uh, come across. Primarily because the Time Warner contracts that everyone had signed during their WCW tenure were still valid so basically they could stay at home and get paid so that's why you didn't see Rey Mysterio immediately jumping from WCW to WWE and it's the same with Scott Steiner too uh, who spoiler alert is on this card um, well, pretty much any star that was not Booker <clears throat> T or DDP <laughs> that's those it. are like the yeah. only big stars that initially came yeah I think some did choose to sort of get a, a sort of you know monetary bonus or something of coming across in the alliance or the invasion angle, as it as it's known, and maybe we'll cover the invasion pay per view one day. Uh, it's certainly uh, it's so much missed opportunity. I, I, I always wanted to see that one. I've never seen it. You never seen it? Okay, well you're no. not missing too much, but uh, I'm not I'm not spoiling I've, anything. I've seen a bunch of reviews of it, so I basically know what's going on. Okay. Well, before we get into our sort of music and our games and our videos at the time, uh, AEW had a little pay-per-view a little short while ago, um, Full Gear yeah, 2021. Just, just, just a little pay-per-view. Just a little one. <laughs> this uh, this is quite the show. Uh, probably the best pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, just a little one. It's um, <clears throat> it's it's full of good feels. Uh, I watched the majority of it with my seven-year-old, and he was blown away by some of the matches on this um oh, primarily yeah. is, is one of his favorite wrestlers is darby allen and so the opener okay. uh, i guess we'll just you know we're gonna we're gonna cover it here we're just gonna briefly go through each match and sort of give you our sort of honest opinions of what we thought of the overall overall card but i think you're probably in the same vein as myself and that i really enjoyed this card i thought it was an absolutely fantastic pay-per-view loved it <laughs> awesome yeah i mean the mjf darby allen match at the very start uh, you know, this was pitted as the sort of two pillars of AEW clashing together, and I thought it was, I mean, amazing. I thought this was such a hot opener. Uh, these guys killed each other in that match. I thought it was, it really, what it did was cement uh, MJF as a wrestler, because he's been obviously a great talker, but he hasn't really had any kind of blown blow away matches. There hasn't been really anything that's been kind of... Um, you know what you would say like a five star match uh and this i would give it five stars i think it was one of the best matches on the card of, of the night i think it might be 
my favourite in-ring um, match of the night. What did you think of that opener? You're hearing it here first. This is my very first five-star match on our <laughs> podcast. So, yes, definitely five stars. I could not believe that MJF could be this good in the ring. We, we've talked about him uh, during our all-in review, and we thought, you know, he's he's decent. You know, he's pretty good. He's not amazing, but, man, he went in this match. And same with Darby. Uh, like, people kind of compare him to Jeff Hardy a lot, where basically he just a spot monkey, crash dummy type wrestler, but he can really do some impressive stuff in the ring as well. So this was a great match, and I was watching this pay-per-view with my 69-year-old dad who could not care any less about wrestling but you know during quarantine he's been in the house for almost two years and uh, he's bored and he's just like i had no one to watch the pay-per-view with because i usually watch it with my friend mm-hmm. uh but he wasn't available this time so i was like hey dad you want to watch it he's like all right sure and i was like i know you don't like this but if you ever want to leave like if you get bored just please do i'm not going to be offended and he liked this match and he sat all five hours he sat through it and he enjoyed it wow that's that's high yeah. praise i think for wrestling when you can capture the sort of casual you know person who knows what wrestling is but might not be a fan and uh, definitely this is one of those cards i think that you could show to somebody who's not into wrestling and sort of get them at least interested slightly maybe not yeah, you know, maybe not going to check it out the next week but you know that initial reaction is awesome uh, Lucha Brothers, Pentrell Zero Miao uh, versus and Ray, Ray Phoenix versus uh, FTR. Uh, this was okay. This was a bit of a. There were some great spots in the match. Uh, obviously, Ray Phoenix, but doing the majority of the heavy lifting. Uh, but I, I did find the ending a little bit of a weird. You know, they were trying to do the sort of whole. Uh, um, I guess it's the killer bees spot where they have like somebody in a mask you know they, they put the masks on and they swap around and the referee gets confused and uh, I didn't really fancy this one at all what, yeah, what was your this, this ending was just confusing I love the match this was honestly pushing five stars for me but I'm a little biased because I love Lucha <laughs> Brothers uh, so yeah, they kind of always get half a star more than what they probably should from me but yeah that ending just made it was it just brought the whole match down um i think the ending should have been the eddie tribute where they did the three amigos and then they did a mm-hmm. frog splash and the crowd just went insane i think that should have been an end i agree yes but then it just yeah. kept going so uh you know i originally gave this match four and a half but i was my adrenaline was just pumping so after sitting on it for a couple of days well almost two weeks now i'm gonna give it a four Okay, yeah, I would agree. Um, I think I went three point seven five on it, but it's a close tie between that and a four because the in ring ability, the in ring work was tremendous. Um, but as you say, the, the the ending was a bit of a mess. Uh, that Eddie spot was great. They should have gone with that as the finish. I think if they could do it again, they probably would do. But yeah, oh well, hindsight being twenty twenty and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, match well. Technically, match four. There was a dark match, but I didn't watch that. It was Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa against uh, Jimmy Hader and Nyla Rose. Did you watch the the pre match? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, that was the that was the buy in match, and mm-hmm. I thought it was decent. Uh, I'm glad these ladies got a chance to work at the pay per view because mm. they're pretty big names in the women's division, and unfortunately, we don't have very many spots on AEW shows for women's mm-hmm. matches. But yeah, this was good. I would give it probably three stars. Okay, I might check it out then. Uh, yeah, so match four technically then was uh, Brian Danielson uh, versus Miro. 
uh, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was great. I hard love hitting. this match. It's, yes. it's a, I mean, Daniel, oh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson's uh, style is very much, I'm going to punch you as hard as I can, and you're going to punch me as hard as you can, and we'll just have a good old <laughs> in-ring brawl and technical match. Uh, this is just, uh, yeah, it was it was tremendous, and this was for the uh, this was the AEW World Championship Elim- Eliminator Tournament Final. So it had been building up obviously for weeks, and now we've got uh, you know at this stage in era it was Brian Danielson taking on whoever the w- was the winner of between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Great all round. I've nothing more to say than that. It's great and definitely worth checking out. I wanted Firmiro to win, so I was disappointed a little bit with the with the winner, but. They more than made up for it. The following dynamite, turning Daniel Bryan heel and what he's doing now. So, I said it too, Bryan Danielson. <laughs> People always get mad at Jr., but here we are, messing yeah. up his name. Well, um, yeah, four four and a half stars for me. Great, yeah, I'd go for that match. too. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. be really enjoying Bryan's work since he came into the AW, uh, and he's obviously gone from those sort of generic. Uh, promos have been thankful and just nice no, he's in he's getting into the flow of things and every time i see him he's just getting better and better uh, and i i always love miro and he's oh, great he's, there's just something about him that i really like what a uh, what a wasted opportunity this guy is uh he's he's going to be aw champion one day and uh he's going to be a great champion we had uh, match five was christian cage uh, and jurassic express uh, Jungle Boy and the Tresaurus uh, versus the Super Click, which is Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. I really enjoyed this as well. This was another great match. Uh, this it was, was just a- insanity. So many was, false finishes. It was <laughs> very fast. Uh, not as many false finishes, or at least not many pin, as many pin attempts as Darby versus MJF at the start. But oh yeah, this was just a brawl. They went everywhere. There was dives off of the stage. There was just a. a an insane amount of uh, violence in this one and, f- and f- high-flying moves. One thing I found hilarious is Luchasaurus wearing jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, this was an odd one. And instead of Jungle Boy, we had Jungle Man. I think he had the yeah. facial hair and stuff now. So uh, I, I think well, he's he, tremendous. He's dating Anna Jay, so she made him a man, I guess. Well, there you go. But yeah, four and a half again for me. Great great entertainment my dad loved it too did he yeah awesome uh yeah i'd probably go about four and a half i think i might have originally had in my mind about 4.75 but i mean it's splitting hairs i think uh, yeah, and one thing i want to say about this show is up to this point we've had four matches and every match felt different hmm. and i even told my dad like i'm glad that every match feels different it, it's not just like the same match over and over you know yeah yeah definitely it was there was no downtime you know, up, the, up until this stage, there was, there was no downtime. You were just sort of, uh, well, at least I was just going, God, this is amazing, and captivated by every single match. Very few wrestling pay-per-views will do that. So this was uh, tremendous. Match six was a slight downer for me, I have to say, though, which was Cody Rhodes and Pac versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Um, yeah, um, it's a strange one. Uh, you know, Cody's going through this sort of, heel-ish sort of turn at the moment where he's not trying to be a heel, he's like the John Cena, where yep. the fan, the hardcore fans don't really like him 
but he's not. He hasn't embraced the hate yet. Yeah, he's not technically doing anything bad, but he's just a bit obnoxious. As we've talked about Cody in the past, and you know, in all in reviews and stuff, I can't personally stand him because he's sort of become this franchise player now, where he's got all the money. There's nothing on the line with him, uh, so he's sort of fighting for his own honor, which is kind of doesn't really do it for me. But it was technically a good match. Uh, I just wasn't. It just felt like a bit of a downer compared to the the previous matches. What did you sort of think of it? This was my least favorite match. Uh, it was not impressive at all, and not only that, it was disappointing because these guys are all amazing. All four of them. I want them to have a four way match with a lot of time where they that could be a five star match in my opinion. Uh, but th- the storyline didn't make sense. Why? Why? Was the whole story of this match was can Pac and Cody get along? Like, where did that come from? They've been running mm. in, rescuing each other every dynamite and rampage. Now all of a sudden they can't get along for some reason. And then on top of that, Andrade and Black can't get along for some reason either. Even though before and after they get along, it just made no sense. It took away from the match the whole constant force tagging and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a two and a half for me. Yeah, I. Probably, I think I gave it a three, but again, two and a half, you, you certainly could. Uh, so the next match was uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who is the uh, women's champion versus uh, Ty Conte. Uh, this was good. This was a good match. I thought Ty Conte was um, really impressive in this match. There was a few sort of iffy spots and stuff, but overall, I mean, it's just a solid Britt Baker match, uh, as she's been sort of known to, to put out in recent months. Um, what did you sort of think overall of it? I think one thing you have to remember with these two women is that they're very inexperienced in, in the ring and in the spotlight. Uh, Britt Baker's I mean, she's a champion and she's over, but she's only been wrestling for like a few years, and Ty Conti's only been basically main, main roster for about a year or so. Uh, so you could tell they were nervous, especially Ty Conti. Like you could tell by her facial expressions when she was coming out that she was kind of losing character and kind of being nervous. Uh, so I also think the crowd was a little bit burnt out at this point because they weren't really as loud as, as they should have been maybe. Um, but overall, I think they did great. They should be proud of themselves. And I, I, I'd give this a three out hmm. of five. Yeah, I'd probably go about the same as well. Match 8 with CM Punk uh, versus Eddie Kingston. This was, uh, I mean, Eddie Kingston's just been on fire for the past, you know, two months. He is uh, captivating to watch. Uh, I thought as well, you know, it was a good it was a good mix between, because CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are sort of similar in a lot of ways. You know, they're, they're both that sort of, you know, they both look like they're, they're you know, they've come in off the street. Um but I loved the story that was built up in this one, where you know it was CM Punk back in the day in the ROH uh, locker room or in the old locker rooms that they shared together, you know, uh, looked down on Eddie because Eddie was just wasting his life at the time and and not really making an effort. And I loved the way that they weaved it in. And but yeah, I thought this was just a tremendous match. And I loved the fact that you know Eddie's got this this character that's so strong that at no stage after the match. Did you sort of think that Eddie Kingston was going to shake CM Punk's hand and it just be over? He just sort of left the ring and I thought that was good. He stuck to his guns and I really enjoyed it. I would say that this was, for me, a sort of four, four and a half star match. I really enjoyed it. What did you think? When these guys came out, my dad said, 
oh, this is part of the show where the old guys fight. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, you just wait and see what happens, because these guys can go. I didn't tell them that, though. I just thought it. And these guys, man, they just fought their asses off. And yeah. <laughs> you can. Sh I feel like you can show this match to to someone, to like a wrestling hater, mm -hmm. and he he'll be he'll question like the legitimacy of it. He'll think, oh. I know wrestling is fake, but this looks kind of legitimate to me. The way they were like spitting at each other and just not holding back their attacks and uh, yeah. just constant fuck yous throughout the match. I loved it. <laughs> this is another five star for me. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. yeah. The, 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 I love the flash knockout at the start as well. Where oh yeah. Eddie Kingston backhanded him in the face. It was just it was out of nowhere. And if they had finished the match like that, it would have been <laughs> it would have been shocking. Yeah, uh, but I I love that, and I love the but, fact that then Punk had to fight an uphill battle throughout the match to get to it. I mean, you could argue that this was a five star match, but uh, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Uh, the down point of the night again was the Inner Circle versus American Top Team. I just couldn't get into this at all. I haven't been into a Jericho feud uh, or match in a while now, and I thought that this was just too. There's too much going on. Dan Lambert's great. I really like Dan Lambert from, uh, you know, the, the sort of leader of American Top Team. And it's fascinating to see people like, um, you know, uh, Andre Arlovsky and stuff in there. Because I was a big fan of Andre when he was in the UFC. And, uh, you know, it, well, initially, anyway, not in his later sort of stage of his career. Uh, when he was just getting knocked out every time he was on the on TV. Uh, but it was... A bit of it. it was amazing to see some of the, the you know the guys in the American Top Team sort of trying to wrestle in this one, but it was certainly it took me down after the sort of excitement of Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of those matches where it has like high like some high spots and some low low points. Uh, for example, like some of the high points is like the Sammy Guevara Jeff Hardy tribute. <laughs> this one's on bomb off the off the giant ladder. Uh, Junior Dos Santos, surprisingly good. <laughs> I think if he trains up a couple years, he could actually be a legitimate uh, pro wrestler. Um, yeah, this was a comedy match. I, I like how they kept it different from the previous street fight with the Young Bucks and everybody. Uh, but yeah, this is one of the lower matches. I give this a three. No, it was a spectacle. Yeah, not I went, a great match, but it's a pretty good <clears throat> spectacle. Yeah, I went, I went uh, 2.75, I think, for that one. Um, okay. And then the last match, Hangman Adam Page uh, versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. This was like an emotional ro roller coaster. Um, by the end, it was well paid off. Uh, I thought this was tremendous. Uh, I went 4.75 for this one. Uh, I think that... The match quality wasn't as good as I was expecting it to be. I think I'd built it up in my head to be this sort of... Uh, it was going to be like this epic Kenny Omega, Tokyo Dome versus Okada, but it wasn't quite that. Uh, and so I think if I'd gone in with slightly lower expectations, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. And that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I did really enjoy it. And I thought that the ending was emotional, phenomenal, tremendous, just a perfect like the icing on the cake of this hangman story and i don't know if i was uh, retweeting um on the build-up to 
full gear. Brian, uh, Brian Maxwell, man who used to work for the WWE in their, I, can't, I think he was a scriptwriter or something for them. He was he had put together a video uh, of like all of the sort of being the elite moments and then the stuff on dynamite i think some occasional stuff from rampage and the pay-per-views that he's been in of his journey from sort of you know the the initial stages of AEW's inception of him coming out on stage and saying i'm going to be the first champion to then losing it to then falling down and sort of going down a darker path and then being built back up by the dark order and then eventually having this sort of resurgence and fight against uh, kenny i loved it the whole thing was great what did you think of uh, this sort of finale of this initial run of, of hangman oh this is probably not a great comparison and some listeners will probably cringe at this but this in a way reminded me of hogan versus sting how that was like a big long-term storyline in wcw mm. and then they just completely shit the bed at starcade <laughs> except this was kind of like this obviously the stakes weren't as high as the NWO days, but still, it was a long storyline between Omega and Hangman, and all building up to this match, and they did it flawlessly. There was no bullshit interference, there was no guest referees, there was no fast counts. It was... It happened the way it was supposed to be happened. Everyone expected it to happen this way, and everyone loved that it did, and because of that, I have to give this five stars i feel like uh, honestly if you just watch the match by itself it's probably like four four and a half but mm. uh w- with context and the circumstances i have to give this a five so three five star matches on this show for me yeah i think that you know if you take everything into consideration i think if if AEW had done that it, um yeah i could i could have it was just because it was done by somebody who doesn't work for AEW who put together this tremendous video oh, yeah. package and done in separate stories but they're free, it's online and they are I think Hangman had watched it and retweeted the videos that Brian had done and they're really really well done Each there's about, I think it's four episodes in total with the combination being obviously uh, full gear so I think overall a tremendous pay-per-view, well worth going out of your way to watch, uh, even just for those you know, sort of matches and certainly the finale i think was great yeah i give this show a uh, nine out of ten yeah I, I think i could go the same as well definitely mm-hmm. uh, i don't think see any reason not to okay so going back in time now uh we're gonna have a little sort of jaunt back at uh, what was in the uh music charts the video game charts uh and the movies at the time so Okay, so 2002, yeah, uh, November 17th, uh, in and around November 17th, or at least the week of that. So this was Sunday, um, 2002, November 17th. Uh, starting from music, then I'll do, as I like to do, the UK charts uh, to start off with, just so we can sort of see a comparison to what was popular in the UK compared to the US at the time. Number one in the UK charts at the time was Dirty, spelt with two R's, don't know why, uh, by Christina Aguilera, uh, oh, and, and featuring... No. Uh, no, featuring Redman. I thought it was. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Featuring oh, Redman. Yeah, surprising. Um, but you did. You were close. Nelly was at number two, uh, featuring Kelly Rowland uh, with Dilemma. 
which I think we've, we've talked, talked about, about this video before. We've talked yeah. about yes, this is the uh, the infamous uh, like Excel spreadsheet on a on a some kind of Nokia phone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In the music video, she she sends him a text message, but it's clearly like Excel two thousand or something like that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and, yeah. and the funny thing is, is her message says like, "Why aren't you hitting me back up?" So it's like. Maybe it's because you're typing it on an Excel. <laughs> She's trying to calculate her chances of uh, seeing Nelly again. <laughs> okay, number three was uh, DJ Sammy. Uh, it's a song called Heaven. I have no. Oh, I like I that song. Oh, right, okay. I'll have to maybe splice that one in. I'll think about it. If I listen to it and it's shit, I'll be like... Mm. You won't well, like it. Okay. I already well, know. Well, well, it's it's a very, very, like, fast, up-tempo dance song, but there's also a pretty popular, like, it's called the Candlelight version, where it's basically just a vocals-only type song. But, yeah, it's like a lovey-dovey type song. Okay. Uh, number four was Unbreakable by Westlife. Uh you probably won't know who Westlife are. Not sure about that one. Uh, it's basically a wet duvet of a band. Um, that's the best way I can describe them. They're just useless. Number five was uh, the, the Ketchup Song by Last Ketchup. Do you remember this one? No idea. This is an earworm, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to... Number six was the Blazing Squad, uh, Love on the Line. Uh, Blazing Squad was about, I think there's about 15 members. They were all uh, teenagers, I think. Um, sort of like a, a gang, except they sang sort of very mediocre, I think, uh, like rap songs. I have this in my head anyway. Um, didn't really amount to much by memory anyway, but maybe I'll splice a little bit in. Uh, we had the Sugar Babes at number seven, they're another UK pop band. Uh, we had Kylie Minogue uh, at number eight with Come Into My World. At Shania Twain, every 50-year-old uh, uh, mother of uh, two's favourite song uh, was <laughs> I'm Gonna Get You Good. And at number 10, the band that just never dies, uh, Coldplay with The Scientist. <laughs> what is Always by Saliva? Yeah. It didn't uh, didn't didn't make the top ten. I'm afraid. Uh, that's, a, in, that's the number one in WWE charts. Maybe maybe it'll be in the uh, maybe in the US charts. We'll have a look here. Uh, so number ten in the or top ten in the uh, US charts. Number one was "Lose Yourself" by Eminem. Obviously, we had the uh, Eight Mile. I think was the the big one that yeah. came out at that time. We had uh, "Work It" by Missy Elliott. We had okay. uh, number three was "Dilemma" again uh, by uh, Nelly. Uh, number four was uh, Love You Better by LL Cool J. Mm -hmm. Number five was uh, Hey Ma uh, by Cameron featuring uh, oh. Jules Santana, Freaky Ziki, and to Toya. Uh, okay. Santana, yeah. <laughs> we had No Doubt uh, and number six uh, with Underneath It All. I think they had oh. just made a sort of resurgence, I think, at that stage, No Doubt, because uh, they had. Yes. I remember, I remember around that same period they kept showing like uh, the WWE kept showing divas, like mm -hmm. videos, and they kept playing "Hey Baby" by No Doubt. Huh. You know that song? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah. Anderson. Uh, number seven was surprisingly Santana had a bit of a resurgence at this period. This is number number seven was uh, the Game of Love by Santana, uh, featuring Michelle Branch, uh, and then we had uh, Die Another Day by Madonna after the name oh, of the movie. I remember that. Yeah, it's not a bad song. Uh, number yeah. eight, number nine was Kelly Clarkson, A Moment Like This, and then number ten was uh, Sean Paul with Gimme the Light. Okay, wow, go. I'm surprised how different the charts are. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty uh, like drastically different uh, yeah. on, the, on that occasion. Uh, but some good songs there from the US charts. I'm not sure about the UK charts. We had a lot of pop bands doing the rounds at that stage, so nothing uh, terribly amazing, think, I'm afraid. I think Dilemma is the only one that was on both charts. Yeah, that's, I think that's right, yeah. Going over to the video games, there isn't much. I've just picked out the sort of top ones that were sort of uh, in and around at that stage. Uh, so starting at the start of November, and the 1st of November, FIFA Football 2003 came out, because obviously they do the sort of uh, year ahead, and they still did it back then, so you've got the next year's yeah. game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Ratchet & Clank, the first one, out on Ooh, November 4th, yeah, on the PlayStation 2. Uh, and I should say, this is Xbox, GameCube, PlayStation 2 territory we're in at this stage as well. We had NHL 2K3, we had Metroid Prime on the, the Nintendo GameCube, which is a, a big one. The very first Splinter Cell game as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, had just come out in uh, it actually on, well, allegedly. November 17th is what they've got it listed here, but I'm not too sure exactly if that is the actual date it launched, because it seems a bit strange that they would release it on the Sunday. Uh, yeah. But fair enough. And we had... November 19th, November 20th, nothing particularly amazing but Dark Chronicle on the PlayStation 2, which I think I had, which was an RPG. So there you go. Smackdown Shut Your Mouth come out. That must have been around this time period. Uh, That's a good question. I don't see it here on my list. Oh, Uh, October 31st, so uh, two, three weeks before this pay-per-view. Okay, okay. I was obsessed with that game. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I still am, actually. I love that game. I think Here Comes the Pain and, Shut- and Smackdown Shut Your Mouth are two of the best wrestling games next to No Mercy on the N64. Uh, yeah, I, I still play those regularly. Yeah, and um, you know some of the, the best-selling you know games of that year, uh, just briefly, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It's kind of timely because we just had the trilogy, the remastered trilogy come out there. Uh, Demastered. Demastered, yeah. In some instances, yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 seems a bit uh, a bit grim. Uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. We had Kingdom Hearts as well that year. Grand Theft Auto 3 was still some of the best, you know, one of the best selling video games of all time at that stage as well. Uh, and then things like Mario, uh, Sunshine, Spider Man the movie. So there's quite a few. So then they're they're getting the big big numbers. Uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto Vice City at that stage, I believe, was doing about four and a half million sales. So uh, in two thousand and well, and I'm just so nostalgic right now about all these games. <laughs> Some really good ones there. It's a it's a good year for video games. Yeah. And then just moving over to movies, we'll just sort of dabble in it. So the domestic box office. So I think this is just the UK. Uh, for November 17th, 2002. Number one was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, obviously, Classic. Harry Potter's... It. Yeah, it's good. My, my kids love it. Uh, we talked yeah. briefly about the uh, number two movie here uh, earlier, which was Eight Mile, which was a, a big, big, big movie uh, at, at mm-hmm. that stage, just because Eminem was pretty much 
like the one of the number one selling artists I think in the world at that stage. Yeah. Um, we had the Ring remake. Um, I forget. I who love was that movie. In that, uh, I've seen Naomi the, Watts. Naomi Watts. That's right. Yeah. I've seen the original. I haven't actually ever seen the remastered or the U.S. version of uh, the Ring. Oh. No. Well, it's actually really good, but I don't know how good it is in 2021 because you know VHS <laughs> tapes and all that stuff. But I recommend it honestly. If you, especially if you like the Japanese. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I'll skip down the list here just to the next sort of big ones, I guess. Jackass, the movie, the first one came out uh, at this stage as well. We had uh, Bowling for Col- Columbine, which I guess is a big one. Obviously, it was, you know, Michael Moore's documentary, uh, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of a different one? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with that, I don't think. Okay, I've got a sneaking suspicion it was Michael Moore's, like, sort of big smash hit documentary. Uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones had just come out at this stage. Um, and we had tra- the Transporter, the first one, which I really oh, okay. enjoyed. Uh, I always get it. Transporter mixed up with Crank. <laughs> it's very similar. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure there... Is it not the Transporter... Oh, no, it's not the Transporter 2 Cranked, is it? No? Am I mixing that no, up? No, there's... No, uh, so Jason Statham has a series of movies called The Transporter, where he's basically like this badass in a suit... And then he also has a series called Crank. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the second one was called Crank High Voltage. Oh, okay. Uh, where he's he's basically a badass in a suit. So that's why I get him mixed up. <laughs> and now he's a badass in a suit in the Fast series as well. So Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, okay, so let's get on to the pay-per-view portion then. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. that Hell in a Cell did to you yet. You want to go, go, go. You, you want to take it on the big show, and he's seven feet tall, 500 pounds. Seven feet tall, 500 pounds, and he's pulling you out. He is going to rip you limb from limb. I can't protect you, Brock, if you don't play as a member of this team right here. I'm Brock Lesnar. I'm the WWE champion. Maybe Paul Heyman was wrong. Maybe Brock Lesnar can be the big show. The unstoppable Recent history has seen many changes. And as the architect of this revolution, I consider myself to be the primary catalyst in creating a product vastly different from that of my opposition. Evolution is a necessary process not only manifesting itself in nature, but a phenomenon occurring rapidly in world wrestling entertainment. Tonight, the most ingenious creation in this evolution will come to fruition. The Elimination Chamber. Six men will enter the structure to fight for their survival. Engaging in a battle of the unknown. Placing their bodies, their futures, and their lives on the line all for an opportunity to secure the symbol of this evolution, the World Heavyweight Championship. And now, Raw 
Raw SmackDown present WWE Survivor Series. This is uh, in New York City, Madison Square Garden. Uh, the attendance rate for this pay-per-view was 17,930. This was the 16th annual Survivor Series. And it started off with a tremendous intro package. And this would be the theme throughout the night. There were so many great uh, packages for a lot of the matches. Whether it be Trish Stratus versus Victoria. Uh, or the you know the climax of the evening where you had the, the Elimination Chamber. This is the first uh, pay-per-view in WWE history that has the... Uh, the Elimination Chamber, and it's also not long after the initial sort of the very first draft. So the two rosters becoming two separate entities, Raw and SmackDown, and would also tour separately as well. So intro showed the uh, Brock versus Big Show feud and what led to that, which was obviously Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match for SmackDown on the No Mercy pay-per-view not too long before this one. Uh, and it introduced uh, the Elimination ch Chamber concept. Uh, and I guess we'll sort of probably talk about this again towards the end, but just to briefly discuss it, this was based on uh, Stephanie's uh, SmackDown brand. As she, Stephanie McMahon was the leader of SmackDown, or the GM of SmackDown, and she had uh, what was widely received, a tremendous match on uh, No Mercy between Brock and Taker. So Eric Bischoff, in storyline, uh, came up with this ingenious as he says it uh, contraption the elimination chamber and we get a sort of brief highlight of, of that sort of conception or at least him coming out and bragging about it on Raw we get uh, saliva and this is the first of many spots of saliva uh, playing always and a ton of pyro this is especially in Madison Square Garden because it's quite small in terms of an arena it doesn't hold you know a huge amount but it's decent enough it looks tremendous on camera but it's just this weird sort of arena in that it looks small it's obviously holding over 17,000 people but the pyro display next to all these people is unbelievable I just thought it was a great intro from the package to the pyro to JR to the crowd uh, yeah a great great start to it yeah, I really like these video packages. This it's one of the things I really wish uh at least AW would do more because these packages they just do so much for getting you hyped and also explaining the storylines for people like my dad who have no idea who these people are or why they're fighting. Um so yeah, that was great. Yeah, we we also get a little treat as well. We get shown the uh, New York WWE The World gets shown off oh, yeah. the restaurant and bar uh, that was uh, kind of disastrous. Uh, we can talk about that later. I have I do have some memories of uh, The World and what happened to it. But um, yeah, my first note here just for this entire show just kicking off. This is one of my widely one of my favorite uh, pay per views, uh, and I just thought this was immediately just awesome i was fully it just brought back so many memories um and we kick off things straight away uh we didn't get too too long to sort of uh reminisce on things because uh the first match is uh bubba bubba ray dudley spike dudley and jeff hardy versus three minute warning with rico in a table match uh and we get a sort of brief recap before this one starts as i mentioned at the start there we get some nice video packages showing you what is actually happening here so if you're thinking about watching this pay-per-view you're going to get told 
as it's happening before each match or pretty much most matches what it's about what's happening uh, and we get a brief recap just showing uh, Jamal splashing Jeff and Spike through a table on Raw they'd been sort of semi-teaming you know Je Jeff Hardy had been co-opting with various sort of different people at that stage because he had split with Matt who was doing his version one character at the stage um, sort of a heel character so he had split and sort of moved into trying to do a solo act but didn't really work so he just bundled him with you know with, with the, you know what was left of the Dudley boys because yeah uh, Devon at that stage had been moved across to SmackDown, and he had become uh, the Reverend Devon, and uh, he had at one stage he had uh, the Deacon Batista and stuff like that. It's kind of a bit of a mess. Uh, so we get the all the lads coming out separately at the start. Well, apart from Bobber and Spike who come out, but Jeff Hardy gets an awesome entrance, and I just thought he looked class. Uh, I've yeah, that, I wrote down. He looks his glow in the dark paint always looks so cool. Yeah, definitely. This is this is sort of Jeff Hardy, you know. Before this is this is the tail end, I think, of Jeff's uh, first stint in the WWE. Uh, this is where he's. It wouldn't be too long. I think it's two thousand and three, two thousand and four. He gets let go, and uh, they offered yeah. to put him into rehab. He refused. They let him go, uh, and he went immediately to TNA, and TNA w welcomed him with uh, open arms, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. We'll, we'll maybe get to a TNA show one day. Jamal and Rosie uh, and Rico. Uh, Jamal being the former Omega. Uh, at this stage, he was uh, just this sort of, uh, I guess, like a ghetto sort of like uh, street. Like just a couple of Samoan gangsters. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's the sort yeah. of look they're going for. And then you have Rico, who is this 39-year-old silver pants wearing... Uh, looked a bit like Disco Inferno uh, yeah it was very so he, bizarre uh, shortly before this he was Billy and Chuck stylist so there was some hints of him also being gay mm -hmm. uh, but then he betrayed Smackdown and Stephanie and Billy and Chuck and he joined 3 Minute Warning and he became basically Eric Bischoff's lackey because 3 Minute Warning were Eric Bischoff's lackeys as well so it was really, really an odd pairing or I guess team you would say of Rico being with those two giant Samoans. Yeah, and it's not to be confused. Three minute warning being three guys. It's three minute warning are Rosie and Jamal, and that's where it ends. It's three minute warning with Rico. It's very yeah. strange. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all the lads get thrown to the outside uh, by Jeff and uh, Bubba and Spike. Uh, Spike gets uh, gorilla pressed onto them uh, on the outside, but the lads catch him. So there's a huge leap off of Bubba by Jeff to the outside onto all of them, which looked great. And JR had a great line about it being uh, nobody gets higher in uh, Madison Square Garden than, uh, than Jeff Hardy. Looks uh, <laughs> like maybe RVD. Yeah, exa exactly. Uh, my, my next note here just says, what's up with Rico's sideburns? <laughs> he was it's... going for that Lash, Lash LaRue Disco Inferno combination. It didn't look good, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> we get Al Wilson and Don Maria shown in the background. Aww. They don't focus on them just yet, but this is a storyline we'll, we'll chat about later. What I, th what I, what can I just say? Some go for it. Taz was Taz kept going. Look at Don Marie and Michael calls. Look at Al, and Taz was like, "No, look at Don Marie and Michael call again. No, look at Al." I'm like, 
I didn't understand are you that. Are you attracted to Al Wilson? Like, what is going on? Obviously, Taz <laughs> is, like, lusting over Don Marie because she has her cleavage all out and everything, but I guess Michael Cole was really into Al. Yeah, <laughs> um, fair enough. Fair play to him. <laughs> we had a, a classic uh, Dudley spot in the ring. This is very much like a lot of fan service, this, this match. Um, and Bubba Ray, he grabs one of, uh, I can't remember which one, it's either Rosie or Jamal, and he holds his legs up in the air and Spike does a headbutt off the top which Steve on used to do and then we get the same spot but with Jeff and he does a leg drop which is good I'm sure Jeff wasn't too too fond on that one because it looked sore uh, yeah I just thought that yeah and shortly after they, they do this the crowd are going absolutely mental screaming for tables the crowd were unbelievable during this this, yeah. uh, this match uh, anyway, so Rosie uh, batters Spike and sets him up against the table. He goes running against it, uh, but Spike moves out of the way, so Rosie goes straight for it, but he just doesn't sell it. He just stands straight back up. Uh, Rosie drops Jeff, who jumped at him, uh, so the crowd chant, you fucked up, of course. Uh, it is still in that, uh, that at the era uh, where people are less forgiving. Uh, Spike is destroyed by being put through a table. and I'm like, That was so brutal. I wrote, Spike is dead. That's what I, I wrote. wrote the same thing. Dead. It's just one word. Dead. Uh, it's sort of do, like a face buster through a table. It was horrible. I, I want to tell a quick story very quick. So uh, before COVID started, I went out to lunch with my dad's my dad and his, uh, his co-worker. And we were talking. And I don't remember how, but wrestling got brought up somehow. And she's like, have you ever heard of Spike Dudley? I was like, oh, yeah. Me and my friend, like, we always... Like, we used him in the video game and everything. Yeah, I know Spike. And she's like, well, that's my cousin. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And uh, I was like, how's he doing? And she's like, oh, he's just... He's he's hurting a lot from all the injuries he's been, he's received over the years. So I, I thought that was kind of sad. And seeing him go through tables like this kind of reminded me of that. Like, man, he's mm. probably paying for it now. But you yeah. know, he put on a great show for the fans back in the day, so... Yeah, he's he was destroyed in ECW. You know whether it was yeah. being awesome bombed into the crowd, or you know thrown into the crowd on a weekly basis. Just horrible. Um, the guy the guy doesn't get enough praise, I think, for the amount of um, selling that he did. Even though the selling was just him getting thrown around and him not having a choice about the matter. It's not that he's physically selling it himself. He's selling it because it just it looked horrible and looked it sore. actually hurts him. <laughs> I think these guys really took a liberty with Spike in this match for sure. I mean, Jamal and Rosie aren't exactly, you know, they're not exactly loose with their punches. They're kind of snug. Everything looks like it hurt in this match for sure. Yeah. And that's not to say Bob Ray didn't look snug as well because he was hitting a few stiff forearms in this one too. So Rico is tossed the outside and wipes out a cameraman, which I thought was amazing. Uh, and we even get like a break in the audio and stuff. Uh, Rosie trails Jeff to an entrance, uh, and Bubba breaks out of being beaten in the ring and saves Jeff by near murdering Rosie with a post. It's one of those heavy posts that you Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. This thing is not meant to be thrown, and I'm pretty... He tried his best not to hit him really hard, but the base of these things is basically concrete, from what I remember. Um, so... Not not a, not a weapon you want to be using. 
so he near murders Rosie and then they put him under a table. Jeff climbs up the side of the entranceway in Madison Square Garden and sort of like the ring, the uh, Royal Rumble 2000 the spot where he was on top of the taxi cab that they had hanging over the top of the entranceway. I don't know if you remember that one. But this was uh, sort of the second one that he did. And he does a, a great swanton bomb off of the top through Rosie on the table. And back in the ring, uh, Bob is laid out uh, as he heads back. Uh, and he's put on a table. Rico gets up on the turnbuckle, probably the most infamous spot in this match anyway in terms of botches. Mm-hmm. And he has to basically stand there and wobble because, you know, Rico, as I said, is 39 trying to, he's thinking about doing him insult i'm not sure if he's actually if he could if he could actually do him insult but uh jeff was late getting to to yeah. shake the ropes to stop him from doing this uh and the original version that uh, i had i'm pretty sure he shouts either fucks like he, he swears he, he says something about jeff hardy but it's either he drops an f-bomb or he says god damn it jeff or something really loud uh, but we didn't get it on the version I was watching this time around. Yeah, Peacock didn't have cuss words, and that really bugged me in a certain segment later in the show. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. Uh, there's a big backdrop to Rico off of the top by Bubba, uh, as Ro- I think it was Jamal moves yeah, the table Jamal. out of the way so he doesn't get put through it. And I should say Spike is eliminated by going through the table because it's obviously it's a tables match. Yeah. There's a whisper in the wind by Jeff to Jamal. Jamal gets a table off the face on the outside by Jeff, which sounded like a gunshot. Uh, Jeff slips on a barrier, heads into a table throw. Uh, He just looked like he was dead after this. It looked like he was gassed and just slipped himself. And he had no energy after that whatsoever. Um, So Jamal basically puts him on a table and splashes him through it. And it looked horrendous. (laughs) I wrote, Jeff is also dead. <laughs> yes, his head just looked like it concertinaed into his chest. Uh, so, <clears throat> Jamal's late back in the ring as Bubba has to stall. So he's sitting up on the turnbuckle. Uh, I think he, it looks like he's going to do like a splash or something to Rico, who's on the table. Um, basically, Jamal gets up and looks like he's going to hurricane Rana, uh, Bubba Ray, through a table. and Off the top uh, rope off the top rope and uh, Bubba wouldn't you know picks him up and power bombs him through the table I mean it looked the power bomb looked really good I thought I think so too yeah he would do a power bomb to mainly women at the stage in his career oh, yeah. Bubba Ray but uh, I thought it was good Rosie and Jamal just come back in they've been eliminated at this stage Jamal got put through the table by Bubba Ray obviously Rosie got put through the table by Jeff uh, Rico just says come on in lads and the two of them come back into the ring and the I mean, referee's there's like, no, disqual- no disqualifications. I don't it, see why not. It's kind of, and it sort of highlights an element of the table match, which doesn't really make any sense. Which is, it doesn't really matter what you do in the match because everything's legal. It's only you have to go through the table. Um, but again, you can just help your teammates. So those two lads come back in. They're helping Rico to beat down Bubba Ray. And surprise entrance, Devon Dudley returns. Uh, he's obviously a SmackDown uh, guy. Um, he's no longer the Reverend Devon, though. He's in his Dudley attire, the camouflage stuff, and like this crowd lost their shit at this. They thing. went crazy. They yeah. thought this was the best thing they'd ever seen. This and was like Hulk Hogan coming back. He <laughs> cleaned house like he was Hulk Hogan. He destroyed everyone in the ring, and they 3D'd Rico through the table to win the match for their team. And I thought this was 
a great match. I give it 3.75 stars just because I thought it was a fast, high energetic, um, brutal opener, and I really enjoyed it. What did you think? This is the perfect way to open a show, in my opinion. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I thought 70% 70, 70 of me thought that wrestling was still real, so Jamal and Rosie just absolutely terrified me. I know that we were kind of discussing about doing Halloween scary wrestlers. Those mm. would be on my list. <laughs> <laughs> but like back then, I just thought no one could ever beat them. Uh, even though looking back at it, they did lose quite a bit. Mm. Uh, but yeah, these guys are just monsters. They would kill everybody from Howard Finkel to Lillian Garcia to Mae Young. And uh, But yeah, uh, they did great, especially for how green they were. Yes. But I mean, mm -hmm. this is a hardcore match, so I guess it's kind of easier to cover up the lack of wrestling ability. But yeah, this was great. Uh, great eliminations, great brutality, the commentary, the uh, crowd, everything. I'd give this a four. Okay. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be too long after this that uh, like Jamal wouldn't be... Uh, I think he, he leaves the WWE. He goes to, I think it's All Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, where he would get a lot more seasoned. Uh, and then yeah, he would come he was, back and be, he was be in TNA for a couple months too. Okay, and Rosie would stick around and become like a sidekick to the Hurricane, I think, for a it would while. Would become S H I T, superhero in training. <laughs> yes. Also, <Yeah>. interesting <clears throat> fact: uh, Rosie is Roman Reigns' brother, which is kind of weird because they're like from two different generations of wrestlers. It seems like so there must be a huge age difference. Yeah, and isn't uh, Umaga related to them in some form or fashion? Umaga as well? is uh, Rikishi's brother, I believe. Who are related, they're cousins to uh, the Anawaii's then. So, yeah. Rock's side of the, the family, I guess. Or Yeah. It, it's a bit of a dynasty. When, when they say Samoan dynasty for Roman Reigns at the moment, they really do mean it. It, it is a massive family. <laughs> so yeah, Unfortunately, they're bo uh, both Jamal <clears throat> and Rosie are no longer with us. So That's right. Peace. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Stacy is in the world, Times Square, and we get, uh, she does this, <laughs> she's with Test at the time, so she says, Test's not right here, he's doing a media tour, because that's the sort of thing Test would do, being just a jacked dude, he'd be doing like press and media somewhere, um, he's probably backstage at catering, but uh, she's, she says that he's with his uh, throng of testicles, which, uh, you know, obviously Vince is bound to have come up with that one. And um, yeah. she introduces Saliva and they do a rendition of uh, a rendition of Always and we get the video package of all the feuds culminating tonight. And I thought this was great. Uh, by the end of, you know, I couldn't probably listen to Always now, but I think it just fits the, the sort of style of yeah, video package. A, yeah, great song to hype you up for a wrestling fight. Yeah, definitely. And... Um, I think at the time I've got in my mind because it was the same person who went on to do the TNA video packages in sort of 2006-2007 um, a guy called David Zahadi I think was still working for the WWE at that stage and so there's a sort of video package that's very similar and it's just sort of if you look at some of the TNA ones they're very similar and I think it was the same sort of you know, lead production dude anyway it was doing it next match Jamie Noble, who's the Cruiserweight Champion, versus Billy Kidman for the championship title. Come uh, on, no boy. <laughs> Come on, boy. 
<laughs> Noble is with Nydia, who's his girlfriend, and they are at first, and we get a re recap of how Kidman won an opportunity on uh, Raw, I believe it was. Smackdown. Smackdown, okay. Yeah, Cruiserweights were exclusive to Smackdown at that time. Good memory. There you go. Yeah, and, and the women were exclusive to Raw. Okay, right. Any reason? Can you remember? Oh, hey. It was just women on Raw? No, they probably just... Well, back then, they really treated Raw as the A-show, so they probably wanted some boobies on there, so that's probably why. I don't know. <laughs> no, you've got a point, I think. Um, they, they've always treated Raw like the A-show, even though SmackDown at that stage was outperforming, I think, what SmackDown or what Raw was doing in terms of in-ring technic technicality, anyway. Um, <clears throat> we get a beautiful Hurricane Rana by Billy Kidman, and it's kind of strange... The music for Billy Kidman's entrance didn't really match Billy Kidman, but also Billy Kidman didn't really match Billy Kidman. He didn't look anything like he used yeah. to do. It's sort of killed I, his, his character. I really like the song that Billy Kidman used, but it just does not fit him at all. Uh, and they actually mentioned that this was his debut of that song, so I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is where it started. But yeah, great song, but does not fit him at all. I, I liked his WCW music, um, just like kind of generic Jimmy Hart rock type stuff, pa yeah, you know? punk rock sort of music, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I should point out as well, the two, there's two commentator teams, obviously we've got Raw and SmackDown being separate brands. Raw is Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. SmackDown is Taz and Michael Cole. So the last show we did was 1999. Taz is still wrestling. He wrestled his debut in 2000. 2002, he's a commentator. So it's, he's like a co comedic commentator too. <clears throat> yeah, my, my next note here says Taz and Cole wacky Taz because this is what he was known for for a long period of time, uh, where he's making noises, he's trying to make jokes. It's like a cabaret performance. It's really bizarre. It doesn't fit Taz's character. I like it when he's doing those technical breakdowns where he's like, oh, he's going to get the arms under here, he's going to get the legs around him here, and he's going to choke him out. That sort of, you know, he knows what moves are called and all that sort of stuff. But when he's doing the comp with the comedic ele elements, no interest whatsoever. And we get a lot of that tonight, unfortunately. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Kidman drop kicks Noble out of the sky from a crossbody, which I thought looked great. Uh, these two I guys. I always love that Kidman spot. This was a tremendous spot. Look, it's picture perfect in this one, anyway. Uh, there's a massive amount of blood stained on the canvas, and the announcers, I think it's Taz, notes that that came from Rico, um, and apparently he gashed oh, okay. his arm as he went through the uh, table. Uh, in yeah, I was wondering what match. their blood spot was from, and I just, I, I must have missed him saying that. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he got his arm gashed open. There's a tremendous Ushigoroshi by Kidman, which they don't announce as a Ushigoroshi, but it's it's an Ushigoroshi that AJ Styles does, and they yeah, do. Yeah, they just know, call it a neckbreaker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Noble collides with Nydia as he sort of runs at him with a double axe handle, um, and Kidman moves out of the way, so he clobbers Nydia. There's a Tiger Bomb uh, by Noble. There's a Falcon Arrow off of the top uh, by Kidman. My next note here just says, no one kicks out of the Falcon Arrow, but of course they do there's a tre tremendous draping ddt by noble and the commentators can't um, they can't believe it because it wasn't obviously done that often back then but it was really good uh and then we sort of go into the end here and it ends with shooting star press by kidman after sort of slight interference by nydia uh for the win uh, i give it 3.75 stars i thought it was tremendous but i didn't like kidman's music so they're not going to get four stars <laughs> out of me 
I really, really like this match, and I've always been a fan of Billy Kidman because of WCW, and I'm disappointed he didn't really do much in WWE. He became another generic guy in tights. Uh, he like, I, I don't know why they changed his look from the shorts and everything. Uh, I guess in this match he would have looked exactly like Jamie Noble, though. <laughs> but yeah, uh, back in the day when I was 11, I didn't know that Jamie Noble... I didn't know what an, an American redneck hick was. So mm-hmm. I was always confused about Jamie Noble's gimmick, about the whole trailer trash gimmick. <laughs> uh, nowadays, I kind of find it hilarious, but I kind of also realize it's a bit offensive, I guess, to some people. But yeah, uh, this match... I really enjoyed. Uh, they didn't do much flippy stuff, but mm. it still came out really great. There's still a lot of high impact, high risk moves, um, and I also give this four, four out okay. of five. Okay, uh, Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned offensive gimmicks and Jimmy Noble playing as an offensive character potentially uh, at this stage. He certainly wasn't playing a Japanese man, um, which he was doing in WCW. So true. Yeah. It was maybe a step up in the world. He became an American in WWE. Um, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately, this was the peak for both guys' careers. Neither one kind of went higher than here. That's it. And Jamie Noble would become a uh, backstage sort of security uh, element yeah. for Seth Rollins uh, alongside uh, the Joey Mercury. Mercury. Um, and Billy Kidman was a producer up until recently. Oh yeah, that's I think. true. Yeah. And he he was married to Tori Wilson, so you can keep all the title belts if you're married <laughs> to Tori Wilson. That's all you need. <laughs> he did well. Uh, cut backstage. Angle and Benoit are backstage, and um, Kurt was just so good here. But Benoit's acting of uh, what? What did you say? What did that, you say? I <laughs> burst out laughing when he got up. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this, this dude couldn't he couldn't cut a promo to save his life and uh, yeah this was pretty grim we get uh, a, get a shot of Jericho and RVD uh, in an earlier segment one of them I think it was Jericho preparing for the chamber and this is sort of threaded through the night and I really like this sort of idea of cutting backstage and showing people uh, preparing yeah. for the matches and we get to Victoria, and we get another sort of sneaky cam that's sort of up in the rafters looking down at Victoria, who's talking away to herself. Um, and she ends up saying, Mirror, Mirror, who's the first of them all? And the mirror says back to her, it's Trish Stratus for her match, obviously. Um, and uh, Jerry Lawler, I just have a note here, says, is creepy. <laughs> and what did he say? I don't remember. And so <laughs> he says... <clears throat> In this hardcore match, and I think well, JR says, in this hardcore match, which is next between him and mm-hmm. Trish, or between Victoria and uh, Trish Stratus, he says, in this hardcore match, anything goes. <laughs> Cherry Lawler retorts, "I hope it's the clothes." Oh, okay, yeah, I did catch that. I remember that yeah. now. Yeah, uh, and he would say other things. I think he mentions like, uh, you know the women being good at cleaning because they use an ironing board at one stage in in the match coming up but uh, anyway at least he wasn't as bad as Don Callis from the previous show we reviewed yes he's not as bad (laughs) years ago when Trish and I were fitness models the WWE was interested in the both of us but Trish Stratus never let me get my chance Champion JR, Trish Stratus has become the women's champion. I go into that ring 
this. I love this moment. I love this. I love this. I languished, waiting for my opportunity, waiting for my big break. I'll do anything to get my chance. Trish's hats. That Jezebel, that psycho witch, Victoria. Trish and Terry, you have so much in common. Pretty little eyes and pretty little puppies. Just like Trish Stratus. This is a hideously dangerous woman. My God, she is sick. Do you think I have Trish Stratus' attention now? Do you think the little princess is up for that brutality? Not only am I gonna take the championship, I'm gonna take Trish's soul. Uh, There's a video package for Trish and Victoria. Victoria is crazy, uh, and primarily it's because Trish got an opportunity to join the WWE before her. I thought this was a great video package. It really was outside of the realms of what the WWE were known for at that stage, which is getting Trish Stratus to bark like a dog. The Katie Vick segment, um, which had happened not long before this this show. Yeah, like a couple of months, I think, before. Yeah, so this is very different. Uh, this is actually giving the women a women's championship match, and also it's a hardcore match, which I'm not sure had ever been done, well, at least for many, many Please. years. Uh, JR mentioned that the the, the only other hardcore match for women was in 1999. I'm not sure who was in it, but mm. yeah, he did mention that. Yeah, because uh, this would have been not long after the brand panties matches and things like that, and you would have had the options to play those in the video games and stuff. Just yeah. really a weird time period. Uh, okay, so Victoria starts before the bell uh, by choking Trish with her own coat. Uh, there's some good commentary actually uh, now that they just start selling the story of Victoria and how crazy she is. Although they do say when she gets a broom out, say, oh, there's, there's the witch's broom or something along those lines. Um, oh yeah, he said, is she going <coughs> to use it as a weapon or is she going to ride it? <laughs> uh, there's a great slingshot leg drop, slingshot leg drop by Victoria, um, which catapults... Uh, uh, no, no, there's a slingshot leg drop by Victoria over the ropes into the ring onto Trish, and then she does a catapult, or Trish does a catapult by uh, launching Victoria up into the bottom of a bin. Um, oh, yeah, this that, was, is, that was really loud, too. It wasn't a very long match, but these women worked their ass off to really yeah. put over just that they were hitting each other quite hard, and, and obviously Victoria gets bust open during this match. Yeah, the hard um, way. Yeah, they, they give uh, Trish uh, whips Victoria into an ironing board. Uh, and then this is when Victoria gets busted open. The ref has to no-sell, also getting accidentally hit in the face by a trash can. I don't know if you spotted Charles Robinson sort of shaking his hair. I don't think I did, no. You know, Trish hit him in the head by... She sort of <laughs> swung it backwards, hit him, and then swung forwards and hit Victoria, I think. It was something like that. So uh, if you there's... walk by a referee, he's knocked out for 10 minutes. But if you hit him with a trash can... Well, it's because it, it was a woman, you know, that, that's probably oh, going to be yeah. the, the, he didn't, he wasn't going to sell it. Um, there's a brutal bulldog by Trish, uh, where she just ended up, like she collapsed on top of Victoria and near broke her neck. It was, yeah, 
not good. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of the match, there's a botched fire extinguisher spot uh, where it doesn't really work, and they've sort of had to stand there for a little minute until Victoria can get it to work. She sprays it in the face of Trish, and then there's a snap suplex for the pin and win. And I give two and a half stars. Uh, I just I would have given it more, but I wish it was longer. I was really impressed with this match. When I saw this on on the match sheet that w- before we did the paper, I was like, ah, oh, a women's match because. Like you said, every women's match in this time period is a bra and panties or a dancing contest or some garbage. But this was like a legitimate fight. And this was really, really good. I The, the end was really botchy and sloppy, so that took it down a lot for me. So I'd give this a three and a half. Okay, yeah. We go backstage and we got Booker T and he's being... Um... Uh, he's sort of preparing and then we also get an interview between uh, Coach Jonathan Coachman and Bischoff about the chamber and the background uh, we can see a blimp for Xbox which wasn't used um, I think at this stage because I think they'd have had a few disasters with the uh, the blimp because they used to they used to uh, have this radio controlled blimp that would fly around the arenas um, oh. and I think this is the last time we may see it on camera because I think it ended up crashing at one stage. I was um, confused about what that was. I was like, is that a plane? <clears throat> like, no, that doesn't look like a plane. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's a blimp, but was never used. I think they had an XFL one, which ended up crashing. Um, okay. I think it, I think that was the last time it was ever seen. Um, but yeah, they used to sail them around the arena and, and advertise stuff on them. A good idea, okay. but a bit too dangerous for an inside venue. Yeah. Big Show walks in and starts complaining to Eric about being traded and that he's going to regret it. And we cut to Heyman and Brock and the storyline of the night is uh, for this uh, SmackDown World Heavyweight Championship or the World or the WWE Championship they're fighting yep. for is Brock being or Brock's confident he can beat Big Show. Heyman's not confident being the manager that Brock can, and he's trying to look out for uh, Brock's best interests. Uh, and he says. Um, you know, I will not let anything happen uh, tonight. My client will be walking out with the WWE Championship belt tonight, no matter what. Something along those lines. Such a great foreshadowing. Uh, At the time, people probably had no idea what he meant by that. But looking back at it, like, man, I really like that. Yeah, I liked it too. And I remember at the time, you know, not liking Heyman, like loving Brock, um, but didn't think anything of it, but it is great foreshadowing for what would happen later. I will be the next 
WWE Champion. Now you listen to me, Brock, and you listen to me real good. What happened last week when you went out there on your own? The Big Show came out and he threw you off the stage. We don't know the damage that Hell in a Cell did to you yet. Now, if I was out there, I would have been your eyes and your ears. You have a broken rib and you're coughing up blood. And if you pick a fight with this guy, he is going to rip you limb from limb and there's nothing we can do about it. And you know what's going to happen tonight? Nothing. I'm not leaving. What? I'm no. not leaving. I'm going to the ring and I'm calling him out. Big Show! Now I'm not, I'm not, you're not ball. Get your big ass out here! Oh, here we go! And Lester, the wounded champion, on the attack! Steel chair to the skull of the Big Show! Paul Heyman cannot believe it. You can't manhandle the Big Show. Maybe Paul Heyman was wrong. He is going to rip you limb from limb. You can't beat the Big Show. Maybe Brock Lesnar can beat the Big Show. So our next match after a, uh, I think it's a video, another video package here which shows uh, Brock taking on Taker because Brock is taped up on his ribs and it's from the match with uh, The Undertaker I believe at the No Mercy pay-per-view and he was banged up after it, it was quite a brutal match, I think The Undertaker had a broken hand or something at the stage as well. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's Big Show versus Brock for the WWE Championship and we start off this one with just lots of big lad moves. Um, Big Show chucks Lesnar around. There's a suplex by Brock, which is super impressive. If he had a legitimate broken rib, I don't know. Um, just I've incredible. read some reports that he actually did have a legitimate broken rib. So that's why this match was so short. But I may be uh. wrong. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Really impressive then, because he was doing a lot of heavy lifting in this match. Big Show being fairly heavy at this stage. Uh, there's a tremendous belly to belly suplex to Big Show by Brock Lesnar as well which I just thought was incredible uh, once the ref gets knocked out Brock hits an F5 to Big Show uh, and then we get the screw job uh, Heyman pulls the referee out as uh, I think another referee had ran in and uh, Paul Heyman pulls the referee out Brock looks like he's uh, about to burst a blood vessel here and he chases uh Chases uh, Brock around. There's a chair in the ring oh. as well, which I think had been uh, slid in as well. Uh, and then uh, as Heyman runs through the ring, Big Show picks him up in the choke slam, slams him down in the chair, and that's it. That's that's the end of it. Brock Lesnar gets beaten by Big Show, and uh, it's a very short match, as you say, and it's two stars from me. I never really understood Big Show's appeal uh, at any stage of his career, but uh, what did you think of this direction at this stage well, for, for Brock Lesnar? I, I can see Big Show's appeal. I mean, they've always tried to... Everyone that had him was trying to make him the new Andre the Giant. Mm. Uh, because he's so big. I mean, we've never really had anyone that big since. Or, uh, so at this time, I, re I, I really loved this storyline as a kid for some reason. I don't know why. I loved the whole Big Show, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle triangle fight for the belt that happened for like that whole year and Paul Heyman kept changing clients <laughs> um, it's hard to rate this one because it's not a good match but I really like this as a segment uh, so as a match like you said this is about a 2 but as a segment it's about a 4 so I'm gonna kinda average it out and give this whole this whole segment a 3 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, also, yeah. it, was, it was pretty shocking to see Brock lose his belt so early because he only won it uh, three months prior. Yeah, um, I think this would build up to the next WrestleMania where I think Kurt beats Show not long after this. So, and then it leads I, to their WrestleMania matches. What I remember is um, Brock gets really violent and he gets suspended, which kind of further confirms his injured rib because he was gone for a few weeks after this. Uh, somehow Kurt Angle becomes number one contender and he fights the big show at the next pay-per-view, Armageddon. And I remember st- I remember Kurt like asking Brock for help, like, help me beat the big show. And I think at Armageddon is when... Lesnar came back and he did help Kurt beat the Big Show and then Brock and Kurt started feuding and then uh, Brock and Big Brock fought Big Show at the Royal Rumble in the, for the Royal Rumble spot and that's where he like used the forklift because it was like uh, you have to like put him in the ambulance or something but Big Show wouldn't fit in the ambulance or something like that <laughs> so Brock used a forklift to do it. Uh, and then Brock obviously won the Rumble, and that's how he went on to WrestleMania to fight Kurt. And there I remember go. all of this from my childhood. I haven't rewatched any of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I love this time period. I remember everything. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, we get uh, shown backstage, and uh, Paul Heyman and uh, Big Show are escaping in a limo. Uh, we get another package. This one showing uh, the next match and and or the participants of the next match, which is a triple threat tag team match, uh, showing how they all came together. Will Edge tap out to the ankle lock? He's gonna bring Edge top down. Oh, man, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit made history tonight. If it wasn't for me, I won the freaking match. Therefore, I'm the star, and you're the supporting player. Take your damn hands off that trophy. Oh, oh man! Well, that ain't cool. Oh, my God! It was like this hell Oh! If you do... Oh, 
it will be a triple threat tag team match for the WWE Tag Team Championship featuring Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit versus the Guerrero versus Edge and Rey Mysterio. All odds are looking towards Survivor Series in a triple threat match for the tag team title. Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. If they can work as a cohesive unit, they will be the tag team champions again. Will Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit remain a cohesive unit? Or will the Guerreros get the job done? Will it be a short title reign for Edge and Rey Mysterio in the triple threat elimination match for the tag team titles at Survivor Series? It shows Edge and Rey Mysterio winning the WWE Tag Team Championships off of Kurt and Benoit. The Guerreros are added in due to interference, and I thought it was great. The, the package just showing all these different characters and personalities coming together, and yeah, I, I was really anticipating, I was really looking forward to this match because I have fond memories of this specific match. And uh, I, remember I, when anything... Edge, I remember when Edge and Rey Mysterio won the tag titles on a SmackDown. I literally jumped out of my seat and I screamed and I jumped around with my hands up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you get brought down just before this match because they show Al Marie, uh, Al Marie, Al and Don Marie in the crowd, and they say that they've got engaged. So you've got to have a little bit of bullshit with your serious professional wrestling matches. Uh, but yeah, this one is Los Guerreros, uh, which is Chavo and uh, Eddie uh, versus Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, and then versus the champions uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio. Kurt and Benoit are out separately and the story for them is can they work together as a team they've been sort of put together by Stephanie for sort of uh, knocking Stephanie down in the video package you get shown it uh, they, I think Kurt ends up hitting Stephanie, Stephanie stands up slaps him, Benoit's laughing she slaps him and then she puts them together in a tag team sort of the odd couple, can they work together to, to get the, uh, the tag team championships uh, Edge gets his Rob Zombie theme well it's not a theme it's an actual song um, yeah. I can't remember if it's Dragula was one of those ones but uh, no, it was song. never never gonna <clears throat> stop never gonna stop that. okay yeah it's still my favorite Edge song even better than uh, the, the one that he has now which I forgot the name of yeah is it uh, Metal Ingus Metal no. Ingus I think it's called I can't remember Altered Bridge did I think yeah by that, like that one by Altered Bridge yeah <clears throat> yeah I'm not a fan I have to say uh, mm -hmm. so we get this is going to be too hard to probably uh, go through but uh, I'll, I'll do my best here because this is I'm going to spoiler alert this is my match of the night oh wow okay <laughs> so uh, well it's, it's it's a tie up between, between two but um, so Edge uh, and Angle uh, oh, sorry Mysterio and Benoit start with transitions to Edge and Angle and then into Mysterio versus Eddie so we get a bit of WCW you know uh, Halloween Havoc uh, 97 sort oh, of reunion right. here can I just uh, say something <clears throat> yeah. very quick I hate when they do multi-team matches where only two people are legal where basically one of the teams the, the Guerreros didn't have a legal person in the match they would have to get tagged in. I hate that rule mm. because it's so illogical. Why would I ever tag my team out? I would always only tag my own partner. I would never tag another team that's not in the match because then I have no chance of winning because what if no one ever tags me back, you know? And uh, I, I can just... sort of see your point, but I think that it's done so that 
so Eddie and Chavo in this match are tagging everyone else bar each other because they want everyone else to lose their stamina they want them to you know if this is a video game you want to be in pristine condition when you get in the ring so I think that's why they sort of do it and why people do the cheeky tag on the back where they try and get somebody else tagged in um, I think that's why it works yeah but it's just the rule really bothers me because I think one member from each team no matter how many teams there I think that one member from each team should always be legal uh, and also it kind of plays into the finish of this match. So I'll let you get to that first, and then I'll circle back around. Okay, cool. Uh, so Ray gets the better of Eddie, so Eddie tags Angle. Uh, bit of a botch by Ray, but Angle capitalizes. This is where Angle sort of throws him onto the top turn buckle, but Ray slips, and then Angle oh, just yeah. basically stomps him into the ground, which is great. Uh, the crowd are really behind Angle at the stage. He was super over, super popular at the stage. There's a snug... He looked really healthy compared to how he looks now. It's just shocking. Yes, he's still got a knack at the stage. Uh, <laughs> there's a um, there's a really snug lariat by Angle to Ray. All these guys worked incredibly snug. So when you saw a far, forearm to the back, they were really hitting each other as hard as they could. Uh, Benoit and Angle tag back and forth, manhandling Ray. Edge gets the hot tag, who clears house. Angle gets the ankle lock, while Benoit applies the crossface after a short while to Edge. Uh, the match breaks down to multiple spots. There's a corkscrew, um, sort of, sp I guess, like press by Ray to the outside um, onto Chavo. Uh, there's multiple Germans. Uh, to Edge by Benoit. There's a frog splash by Eddie to Edge, followed by a diving headbutt by Benoit to Eddie, and an angle slam by Kurt to Eddie after he gets up. Chavo hits Benoit with the belts, or a belt, uh, while the ref is distracted by Angle. He chucks Kurt the belt, so Benoit thinks it was him that got hit, that did hit him with the belt. Uh, so that sort of classic Guerrero spot where they throw the belt to somebody else and blame it on them. It's a bit daft because it made Benoit look like a bit of an idiot here, I thought. Um, yeah, that, this spot didn't work out very well because, uh, yeah, Benoit clearly saw that it wasn't Kurt Angle because Kurt was doing a, a whole different move right in front of Benoit's face, so I don't know. Yeah, it didn't it really didn't work. Good. Uh, there's a spear by Edge to Benoit and he eliminates Angle and Chris Benoit, so those two are out and they're boos from the crowd because I think mainly for Kurt leaving because Kurt, as I say, was super over. Angle and Benoit lay everyone out. Uh, there's an Angle slam, I think, to Edge as well just after this one. And the match yeah. continues with Los Guerreros tagging and beating up Edge. Ray gets the hot tag. Chavo hits Ray with the belt after Ray hits Eddie with the 619. Eddie submits Ray with the lasso from El Paso for the win. I give it four stars. I thought it was a, a really good match. What did you think? So you know how I said there are only two legal men. Did you notice that eventually three they became three legal men? There was a there was a point where I don't remember who, but Eddie rolled up somebody and he was pinning him while the the person he was pinning was pinning someone else. And I remember Taz going, well, would that mean he pinned both of them? So at a certain point of this match, there was randomly three legal men all of a sudden. And that just really, again, like really bothered me with the whole rule because it didn't make sense and it's not consistent. And since that moment, it was just a normal three-way. Like there was no two legal people. It was just three legal people all of a sudden. You didn't notice that? 
I didn't notice it at the time, but oh. yeah, I think you're jogging my memory of being a bit confused at some stage, so yeah. Yeah, so that just... I did not like that. And and like you said, the whole Benoit getting hit with the belt looked kind of silly, and especially when it cost them the match. So it was great action for what it was, but I think these guys can do better. So for that, I give it three and a half. That's fair enough, I think. Yeah. Next, this is a very heavy show, so if I'm flying through it, You'll, yeah. you'll forgive me because it's it's it really is I guess a one match show in terms of just the build up to this thing. Um, yeah. But next was a great segment. We got Christopher Nowinski coming out and insulting the crowd with a fairly bland promo insulting the New York uh, Yankees and just New York in general. Um, we get Matt Hardy coming out to his Windows 2000 entrance. Uh, so it looks this is the thing. This entrance won't age well because kids who watch this pay-per-view will be like what is going on with this the screen have i like what's happening here you know because it's all slowed down it's in black and white and they've got this sort of ridiculous border around it and stuff yeah like this uh, windows player like the winamp or whatever is, yes that's exactly it but i mean that was kind of the you know oh, i loved kind of it thing. i loved it as well. and i loved it i love it too i like the math facts it's, it's i love funny. them yes even when uh, i play like uh the GameCube game or uh, Here Comes the Pain, I always uh, read the Matt facts. Yes, yeah. Uh, Matt likes his chocolate milk at room temperature, I think was one. Uh, big fan of uh, version one, Matt Hardy. Uh, so Matt comes out and sort of swerves the crowd. The, the crowd think after Nowinski's come out to talk shit, he's going to come out and beat him up. But he swerves him uh, and he gets a dig at the New York Knicks uh, while JR and the King question what is the point of this because uh, it does drag on slightly. It really does, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we get sirens playing and the place just explodes because everyone knows who this is. Uh, Scott Steiner comes out looking like he hasn't drank any water in about a month and he has just been doing nothing but curls at the gym for the past two years since WCW imploded. This guy wow. looked like he had so been jacked. heavily jacking up somewhere. <laughs> it's just, uh, this is insane. It's just disgusting. Look at his arms. I think at this yeah. stage, just the lights and stuff. Yeah, his this. biceps had biceps. Like, his veins are bigger than my arms. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, so he comes out and basically just murders. He just commits a murder in the ring. Uh, he, he destroys Chris and Matt. Uh by basically clotheslining the life of them. He does a nice uh, overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplex. He does his sort of twisting uh, belly-to-back suplex, all the classics. Yeah. Uh, and then he he asks for a microphone really nicely. He says, please, can I have a microphone? Um, well, you don't get it on the WWE Network version. You don't get it on uh, the Peacock version, but oh, you do get it on... it's not the WWE Network version either? No. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> you do get it on the original version if you watched it live, where he says, give me a fucking mic. Yeah, that's the best part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Not really, but it's well, definitely a classic moment. Absolutely. Uh, all he does is basically just flexes and says his catchphrase. And that's it. We're on to the main event. But it was kind of exciting because Scott Steiner was a big deal. Uh, he was super popular in WCW. This is his first time back in WWE since, I think, just after WrestleMania 9. So he had been in it a long, long time ago. Left the WCW. Bang, he's back in it. And he is much different to the Scott Steiner that left in you know the early 90s. Yeah, well, you can almost 
count this as a brand new debut because Scott Steiner that was there 10 years ago is just completely a different person now. So, Pretty yeah, much. I was I was very excited about Scott Steiner. I, I loved seeing any WCW guy come in, and he was a big deal, so I was excited. But I, I was disappointed he didn't have his hooches with him. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, It's a very similar comparison I could make here to Taz. So, oh, yeah. And, and even the, the, the situation, same building. So Taz had his debut in the Royal Rumble 2000, uh, which was in the same building, Madison Square Garden. He comes out, he has a tremendous segment. It's a very short segment, but he does incredibly well. And then after that, he dies a horrible death in the ring and the war against Triple H. And Scott Steiner comes in, he has a tremendous entrance. He does. He looks incredible. And then he gets murdered by Triple H. Um, Triple H didn't like working with him. They had some terrible matches together. Uh, I do put a lot of blame on Scott for just being... You know, he was, he was at that stage, you know, a main eventer in WCW. He obviously wasn't going to be just slotted in at the top. He had to sort of try and work with somebody. The problem was they 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 basically put him against Triple H. And Scott Steiner does incredible things with smaller people. And Triple H does incredible things with smaller or similar sized people. And I think they must have thought that Triple H would be able to work with this guy. Scott had no interest in working with Hunter or selling anything that Hunter was going to be doing and he wanted to be the winner and obviously Triple H was the golden boy at the stage so conflict of of persons who do you think would uh, work well with Scott Steiner at that time period from both shows Raw and Smackdown I mean I would have certainly liked to have seen him against a Kurt Angle somebody who's more sort of his size Um, I would have liked to have seen him against uh you know, you could have put him against Booker T. You could have at least started him with somebody who he was familiar with so that you can get the best out of him. But, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, you would probably put him with smaller guys. Maybe put him up against RVD. Maybe put him up against, you know, Rey Mysterio again, just to sort of have that sort of contrast of styles. He works best, I think, when he's against of similar size or smaller people because he is a yeah. powerhouse. Two powerhouses colliding in a ring sometimes can work really, really well. Most of the time, it's just really boring, and that was what it mm-hmm. was with Triple H. It's just boring. Um, you may remember that they did a pose-off. Uh, yeah, which they is... even have that whole segment and Here Comes the Pain in the game. They... Yes, it was terrible. It was really <laughs> yeah. bad. He only lasted, I think, maybe two years at the most. No, he was I there think... only one year, but he was only in the main event for one month. And then after that, he just became a mid-carder tag team with test <laughs> that's right yes and then he would go on to uh procure stacy's uh services as his sort of ring valet i guess and now there 20 years later he's still wrestling he is yeah really badly um i did see him in belfast uh, he oh, came really? uh and it was just it was part of the sort of uh it's like a like an on-stage talking tour he was doing uh which sounds horrible <laughs> when you think about you're going to spend a couple, like an hour and a half listening to Scott Steiner talk but he was really interesting uh, and he had nothing nice to say about Triple H <laughs> as you no, may be surprised I know that a lot of people don't like him uh, in real life because uh, he's kind of a difficult person but I would like to see him in AEW maybe as a manager or something or some kind of commentator of some sort oh, Actually, like, I feel like he could provide some really entertaining moments I'd like to see his nephew, uh, Bron Breaker, 
Braun Breaker in AEW, and him as him and Rick as the as the manager as the managers like a joint manager service. I think would be great, but I don't uh, I don't necessarily think I want to see Scott Steiner anywhere near I, AEW I, on his own. I don't understand why they gave him a whole new name, Braun Breaker. That just makes. Uh whatever i don't want to uh, talk about no. that company i mean it's a disaster. Not the modern version of it yes <laughs> okay so the elimination chamber now lowers uh and this is after obviously that's that segment uh, terry uh, catches up with sean michaels backstage and we're interrupted by an rnn randy news network update uh which i thought was kind of cool uh this is a very young randy orton uh who had broken his arm at that stage not long after, I guess, his sort of initial debut and his sort of, you know, him getting started. But it would actually be a benefit because he came back much better. And they completely sort of uh, changed his character around and he became the, uh, I guess, the legend killer uh, yep. not long after that. So I absolutely hated this because back then I was like, who the fuck is Randy Arn? This new skinny dude, I want to see Goldberg, I want to see The Rock, I want to see Triple H. I don't want to see this guy. But now looking back at it, obviously, Randy Orton, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So it was worth worth building him up back then. It's funny to see it now. Certainly at the time, I probably would have had the same opinion of just get this geek off my TV. But uh, looking back, it's certainly fun to see. I love it. Yeah. We get a recap of Eric's promo and the Elimination Chamber build-up, showing all participants, Triple H, Y2J, Chris Jericho, Booker T, Kane, RVD, and Shawn Michaels, while we get Saliva's always playing. Uh, I think they did it live as well, um, and then they spliced the uh, the video package uh, over the top of it, which was great. Uh, obviously, Shawn Michaels hadn't, you know, he'd only really come back in the previous year. He'd had a feud with Triple H, uh, it culminated in a match at SummerSlam, and then he got his he got beaten up after the match with a sledgehammer and uh, as we'll get on to I think I've got in my, my notes later um, it was optional that he would be in the match but he chose to do it so Triple H and Ric Flair backstage with Coach Hunter cuts a fairly decent promo putting over all five guys which I thought was awesome he made a comment just saying that he's working with the best in the world and I thought that was nice you know he wasn't putting anyone down he just said that this is going to be a tough match but these guys are the best, but I'm the best, ultimately. Bischoff, Bischoff comes out to smugly gloat and explain the rules. First four locked in four separate bulletproof chambers. Bulletproof in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, the last two in the ring start and then every four to five minutes. I think he says four, but the rules say five minutes. Uh, yeah. Another person joins. An elimination occurs after a pinfall or submission. The last one standing wins, and this is for the... Uh, Raw World Heavyweight Championship belt. Uh, so, I <laughs> just noted here, Eric struggled with the door and the stairs. I think he went to open one of the doors and it was like he was pulling on the wall. It should have been the other way around. But uh, uh, I've got some notes anyway why these people are on or in this match uh, just in a wee moment. But um, we get Jericho out first and he's being played out by Saliva again. Uh, the King of My World uh, theme tune, which I kind of liked as well. It wasn't obviously yeah. his classic theme. Uh, I should say as well the Dudley boys had uh, their saliva theme at the start as well which is also saliva yeah that was saliva as well Um, I'm really I'm used to their Power Man 5000 song Bombshell so I I didn't even notice that it was different and Click Click Boom that was another big one yeah classic yep (laughs) 
Booker T's out next, and the side of the stadium explodes. <laughs> I just have here in my notes. The stadium just goes up in flames uh, because the pyro is in the crowd, sort of off to one yeah. side. The entrance is a, a different side. It's very bizarre. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed that in the beginning, too, when Bubba Ray Dudley's, his little rocket thing that explodes, it flew to the to the left. Yes. And then explode. I'm like, wait, where's the rocket going? The entrance is way in the other direction. Yeah, it's because the entrance is uh, it's sort of facing the hard cam and the entrance sort of stage area is to the left. Rey Mysterio comes out from the entrance stage area, oh, but yeah, it's, in the, right. it's in the crowd, which is... Yeah. It looked kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Kane's out next, followed by a big pop for Shawn Michaels. Uh, <laughs> we'll make a comment here. The state of Shawn Michaels' hair, the state of Shawn Michaels' brown tr- trousers. Um, <laughs> I just thought this was disastrous but my, my notes here do have a little bit on uh, on this so uh we got our last two participants which is rvd uh he gets a huge pop triple h comes out just after him to his uh motorhead theme tune and he comes out with obviously rick flair in in, uh, in tone so the reason why these guys are in this match obviously we get a little bit of a video recap but it doesn't really tell us why those guys are in this match why they were selected by eric bischoff so the, the main storyline for the Elimination Chamber is it's in response to SmackDown's Taker versus Brock match in that Eric was trying to get the, the you know the ratings up for Raw in storyline. Uh, the reality is that Eric didn't come up with it. It was part and parcel between Triple H, I guess, and probably you know somebody else backstage, but Eric sort of is the storyline reason for, for it being there. Uh, Triple H has to be in it because he's a champion. Yep. Sean's in it due to the recent feud with Triple H, and as I say, it was optional. Uh, he agreed to do it. Uh, you know, they sort of played off the fact that this is his first sort of big, I, I guess, you know, second SummerSlam. This is his big match uh, in a in a cage anyway. Uh, since coming back, you know, it was a four year absence, I believe, since his uh, his previous stint. His last match was against Stone Cold Steve Austin, I believe. WrestleMania yep. fourteen. Fourteen. And yeah, so he's in it with the recent feud with uh, with Hunter. Uh, Kane's in it due to the Katie Vick storyline, which I think yep. we've touched on before. Uh, which maybe, maybe. Uh, I think we I think we've talked about it, haven't I? Haven't I done a full recap of Katie Vick and that god awful storyline? I think we did about five years ago. <laughs> okay, or well, three or four if, years ago. Yeah, maybe but we'll yeah, release uh, that episode again. I'm not going to recap it because it's horrific. <laughs> Yeah, I believe at No Mercy, which was the uh, paper before this, Triple H defended his title against Kane, so it makes sense why he was yeah. in it. Uh, Jericho was simply given an opportunity because he was a heel at the time and he's a big deal. Um, he was also one half of the tag team champions with Christian at the t- at that stage, so he does come out with a championship belt. Uh, also, I want to uh, note something. In reality, why Jericho was in there is because they wanted another heel in the match besides Triple H. Because everyone else sense. was a face, yeah. yeah. It's true, yeah. Uh, and RVD screwed was screwed over by Flair recently on Raw against uh, Triple H. He was doing really, really well against Triple H, and then uh, Rick jumps in and sort of screws him over. And Booker was added of because of recent issues, I guess you could sort of say. But again, it's probably because they wanted uh, to have a sort of baby face and somebody who's a top contender on, on Raw. Booker, I'm not too sure at this stage if he had been feuding against Triple H for the belt or if he had been destroyed by Triple H in that god-awfuls um, WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm not sure. The WrestleMania feud hasn't started yet, so he's the only one that I'm kind of not sure why he's in it. But then, again, looking at the roster, 
I would definitely put him in. So maybe it's just we need a six guy, and he probably <laughs> he was probably feuding with Jericho or something. Him and Goldust against Jericho and Christian, I think, for tag team titles. That's so right. So maybe yeah. like that mutual feud kind of just slotted in there. Yeah, he was feuding or he was tagging with Goldust at the stage. Uh, yeah. Very popular tag team. So yeah. Okay, so. RVD and Triple H start in the ring. Hunter gets backdropped over onto the metal grate pretty much immediately and slammed into the fence a couple of times. Uh, he gigs at the stage, so he's busted open. Uh, and we get a nice rolling thunder by RVD from the inside of the ring to the outside. Uh, RVD climbs onto Jericho's pod. Y2J stops him, but he ends up somersaulting onto Triple H, which looked horrific. Uh, these are solid metal grates. Oh, uh, they so look like so painful. This would be like basically taking a, a, a roll on top of a manhole in the street. Uh, the lights flash and Tr Chris Jericho's out next. RVD leaps at Jericho, uh, but Jericho moves out of the way, so RVD sort of manages to catch the fence uh, in like a Spider-Man spot, which... Uh, that was awesome. And, Classic yeah, moment. Really cool seeing it back then. Still cool seeing it now. Uh, Hunter and Jericho team up to beat up RVD and the labs whip RVD back and forth into the cage wall which sounded horrific at one stage he hits his back off of a post which and full force which was uh and they just kept nice. doing it over and over you could tell in RVD's face he was like oh shit I gotta do this like two more times <laughs> he's gonna yeah do some yoga after this one for sure yeah uh RVD takes a great DDT by Hunter I thought he took the. I don't know if you've ever seen the pedigree he took, where he took it on top of his head and bounced off of the canvas. But Did this he? is pretty much. Yeah, this, this I've is seen pretty much it. I've seen him take some crazy DDTs on pile drivers, but never, not, never a pedigree. Yes, I've seen him. He took a pedigree and he basically pogoed off the mat. <laughs> Horrific. Uh, Booker's out next and decapitates Jericho against the ropes because I think Jericho was meant to go over the top rope but doesn't so he sort of just gets destroyed <laughs> looked yeah. really painful there's a scissor kick by booker t uh onto triple h and then there's a really horrific rough star rough five star frog splash from the top of the pod or a pod to triple h uh, which crushes his larynx the vi I, I had the dvd of this and they did have a backstage segment with triple h afterwards where he's getting um, looked after by uh, doctors, and they did actually do a, a, a like an update at this at this stage um, on the DVD. This is going back years, I remember it, so I might be off slightly, but um, yeah, he, he crushed his sort of uh, his, his his larynx slightly, and uh, Triple H had to basically work the rest of this match injured, really badly injured, and unable to sort of fully like draw like a breath. Uh, he couldn't so breathe, and he could not speak. That's right, yeah. Um, and you posted the link to a video. I watched that as yeah, well. I was, and the... was going to mention that um, the video is by the Wrestling Bios, and it basically, like, for almost 40 minutes covers uh, the back backstory of this match, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Uh, for example, uh, Triple H, after, after the show, he didn't want to go to the hospital, but they told him, like, your throat is swelling up. And if we don't do this procedure tonight, you're going to suffocate. So this was a big, big injury. Mm. 
Um, yeah, and, and on that video as well, they had a doctor under the ring, uh, sort oh, of checking really? on him and talking to him through the grate, oh, which yeah, I find yeah. fascinating. Uh, so Kane's out next, um, and he's not supposed to be out next. Uh, they, oh, sorry, I've skipped a step here. Booker T hit RVD not long after the five-star frog splash with a missile drop kick and eliminates him from the match, which got booze. Um, JR sold it like uh, RVD was hurt himself from doing the five-star frog splash because he sort of lands really awkwardly. His knee, one of his knees, lands on Hunter's throat, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it was quite high up. There wasn't enough room to jump off. This isn't the the modern elimination chamber. This is the first one, which. There's no room. You can just about squat on top of one of these uh, chambers. Yeah, the frog splash is basically him just falling off the pod while trying to do the frog splash motion, whatever it is, where you like put your knees and elbows together and then kind of spread out. But obviously, he didn't have enough time to do that. Absolutely. Also, yeah. another interesting fact uh, from the Wrestling Bios video is that none of these guys were. They none of these guys saw the elimination chamber until they got inside it, so they had no idea, like the actual dimensions or how the steel would feel or anything like that. So, every single one of these guys stepping into the chamber was their first time actually seeing it in person. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? Can you imagine yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> scary. Uh, I think uh, in that video doesn't uh, there's a quote from. Uh, it's either Jericho or, or RVD where they say that this was con- this was conceived by someone who is not a wrestler. Yes, <laughs> the structure. Uh, so Kane's out next. He's not meant to be out next as well. It's a bit of a botch here. Um, yeah, and they have to basically freestyle improvise the next five minutes. That's right. So Kane throws Jericho through a pod as an improvisation, uh, which is great. So he goes through the bulletproof glass again in inverted uh, inverted quotes. Well, it's not uh, Jericho proof. It's only it's not Jericho proof or Kane proof. I think JR says it's not Kane proof or something. Oh, like yeah. That. <laughs> uh, it's a choke slam to Booker T. Jericho hits a picture perfect lion salt uh, to Booker, and he pins and uh, eliminates Booker T. Uh, Hunter is uh, obviously still injured uh, and will be throughout the rest of the match. So he's sort of on the sidelines. You don't really see much of him, but he does end up taking a bump here off from, from Kane by getting thrown into the ring. Uh, Shawn Michaels enters last, and Shawn basically just runs wild up until a point where Kane chokeslams him and then chokeslams everyone. There's a tombstone attempt by Triple H. Shawn hits him with a sweet chin, um, or uh, hits Kane with a sweet chin music, uh, Triple H hits uh, Kane with a pedigree, and then a lion salt by Jericho, and then Kane's eliminated. Sean gets thrown against the cage and is busted open, and begins to be, begins the ballad of Sean's forehead turning into a geezer um, of blood, and basically just Hunter and Jericho work him over for ages. Uh, there's a moonsault by Michaels to Jericho in the ring. There's um, I have a note here. It just says again, Michael. It, Michaels is bleeding a gusher. Make sure you note this. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hunter and Jericho get into a fight after uh, Hunter pulls Jericho off of the top of Michaels after Jericho tries to pin him. So they they start arguing. Jericho gets Hunter into the wall uh, into the walls of Jericho. Um, Michaels kills Jericho with a sweet chin music and pins him to eliminate him. So we're down to Hunter and Shawn Michaels. Uh, on the outside of the ring, Hunter, catap- Hunter catapults Michaels through a pod after a failed pedigree attempt by uh, Shawn Michaels on the outside. 
and JR just at this stage is really sort of he's been doing it very minorly, you know, at the start of the match where he's saying, you know, this is the this is the dream. Can Shawn Michaels can Shawn Michaels win this? This would be a dream for him. Then he really starts amping up on this and he says, This is such a he's the underdog, you know, he has been out of action for four years. He basically just starts listing off facts. His back injures his back his back was injured, it made him retire, you know, he starts rhyming off all the old reasons why Sean left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels fights back with a huge hope spot before getting beaten down again and sent to the outside eventually Michaels gets the advantage and delivers an elbow drop off of the top of a pod a dazed looking Michaels stands up and sort of with blood streaming down his face and he's sort of looking around him and he's waving and he looks like he's drunk or completely out of it I thought it was just tremendous and um King has a great line here where he says oh here he is here's the old Shawn Michaels he's showing off to the crowd uh, and we um, get him trying to do the switch in music to Triple H uh, but it's blocked Triple H hits the pedigree but he, even he's too slow to cover so Sean was too slow to cover um, or to get a switch in on to, to Hunter um, and Triple H was too slow to you know get over to, to Sean uh, another pedigree is countered and Sean delivers uh, switch in music to pin and he basically collapses on top of Triple H and he wins the championship in just an epic scene and confetti just blasts into the arena and JR lose, is losing his shit he's screaming do you believe do you believe and it's just amazing it's such a spectacular sight do and, you believe uh, in miracles that's, it's like Christmas uh, yeah, yeah it Christmas like Christmas. Yeah, it's just tremendous I, I absolutely loved the finish to this match and I loved the match overall I thought it was well paced regardless of botches you can't really tell that something's gone wrong um, unless you sort of read all of the sort of autobiographical biographical stuff um, I'm amazed because so yeah. this match in reality this match was a disaster but they just covered it up so great and just made it work and honestly you could not ask for better six participants for this match just uh, top build hall of famer every single one of these guys and they made it work it was Absolutely, amazing yeah. Like yeah. you said, it was epic. Epic is probably the the best way to describe it. Yeah, this this pay per view holds a special place in my heart. It's one of my favorite pay per views from the WWE. It's, it's I think it's, I think it sticks the, the test of time, and that it's still entertaining to watch today. I'm pretty sure if I showed my son, and I may still show him this weekend, I may stick it on again and just show him the matches um, and see what he thinks of it because it'd be interesting to see what a seven year old thinks of it. Maybe. Leave out some of the more violent matches. Yeah, maybe it might be the, uh, maybe a bit too violent, but we'll, we'll know, that's, that's up to you. Yeah, he, he he's seen some uh, pretty wild uh, Lucha Brothers matches. So uh, you know, with the the cage match between them and the the Young Bucks and the the oh, old oh, yeah. uh, sneakers with the the the, the, the uh, tacks on the bottom. So yeah, that match is pretty brutal. So if he yeah, can handle he, that, I think he he's probably good for this. He's he's a tough cookie. He, he liked that one a lot. So um, yeah. So what would you give Overall, this match? Oh jeez. Uh, I said earlier that it was the tag team match was my favorite, but I guess just when you take into consideration Shawn Michaels winning, regardless of his horrible brown trousers and his his school his soccer mom haircut, I mean this gives AJ Styles a run for his money. Um, I'd give it. <laughs> 
I give it four and a half stars. I think it 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 is better than the Tang match. I think looking back on it now, um, really enjoyed it. It's probably is the match of the evening, um, just for the spectacle of the very first Hell in the Cell or the first Elimination Chamber um, match and uh, just everything that sort of surrounds it. Uh, this is a really beautiful time period for WWE. They're not as popular as what they once were, though at the stage, you know, the, the raw ratings yeah. at the stage I did have a look at earlier were down surprisingly quite a bit. Um, I have this romantic notion of this being the peak of WWE's career or sort of, you know, the, the company, but it's actually not. They were actually doing really badly at the stage in, in terms of raw and SmackDown viewership. Um, compared to you know the few years prior where they were doing sort of four to five million or plus viewers um, but they're down quite heavily at this stage and that would be the trend for the next you know well until this day I mean they're down to what 1.6 million I think was raw recently there so oh yeah now that nowadays they're just not doing good at all they're struggling they're still struggling and it's still sort of trending down downward if if a little bit slower. Uh, but back then, I think this is, for me, this is the peak of WWE. I wasn't, you know, a massive Attitude Era fan. I love the SmackDown 6, and I love this initial draft and the idea and the concept of the draft compared to now, where it's just a mess, and there's no reason for it. Um, and you had... I was listening to Post Wrestling the other day, and they were doing the Raw review, and from the Survivor Series the night before, they advertised that SmackDown people would be on on Raw, so they've already broken their own rule again. And they do it every year. They basically don't hold the two brands in any kind of uh, separate ident. There's no separate identity anymore. It's just basically the same show on different channels of different nights of the week. So, anyway, I'm not getting a tangent about modern WWE because it sucks. But uh, yeah, yeah. What, what what did you give this uh, match out of five? I think there are different ways you can look at the peaks of a company like when you look up ratings yeah this is not a peak but when you look at the product and how enjoyable it is and like the match quality the star power like the even the creativity i think this is better than attitude era um so yeah this match is just not the best technical match like i said this was actually a disaster behind the scenes but just how epic it was back in the day and it was the first of its kind and the mystery behind it because nobody knew what it looked like they kept showing like video packages on raw of them like like doing like welding and all that stuff and like showing mm. like the uh the drawings and uh the sketches i should say but no one really knew what it would look like so you really had to buy the pay-per-view to actually see this thing um and yeah now we've had over 20 elimination chamber matches probably and they're just so basic and watered down nowadays. They're not exciting at all anymore. But back then, like, I think this is still probably the best one ever as far as Elimination Chamber matches go. So with all of that, I'm going to have to give this a five, I think. It's wow. a very, it's just a historic milestone, I think. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I, we get hung up on, on sort of, um, well, I get hung up a lot of the time on the in-ring presentation. But when you do take... A lot of what it, the surrounding story elements, the surrounding yeah, the, sort of characters. the context is important. It is, it is, and I think that you know if you're going on ring in ring ability and stuff that's happening in the ring, certainly you know I think you know four four and a half is right. But you're you're correct. I think if you're taking everything into consideration, it is definitely a you know for me it would be a five star in in terms of just the entire package. I thought it was really well done. It's a shame that they don't you know they don't do this presentation style anymore. It's 
it's very throwaway. Whereas back in the back in uh, you know two thousand and two, um, you know wins did make differences, and um, there was context behind uh, you know every win and the direction and things like that that uh, you know that would happen as a result. So. Absolutely. Overall, I'm very happy I picked this uh, this show. I'm happy too. I give the show a nine, which is by far the best one that I've given out of all our episodes so far. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll go a nine as well. I think that uh, you know, as I say, this is one of my favorite WWE pay per views. Certainly, one of my most well remembered pay per views in terms of just like the you know the matches and things like that. And uh, yeah, well worth going any way to check yeah, out if you're. This just flew by. It went by so fast. I watched it in one evening, and I, I I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? We're at the main event already. I feel like I just sat down. It was great. Yeah, I agree. It did it take me a bit. Well, it did take me two nights, but that's because I've been flooring all week. So. Uh... <laughs> okay. So there you go. So there you go, folks. That's Survivor Series 2002 wrapped up uh, in a bow, uh, ready for our Christmas uh, season. Now, the next show. I, I've i struggled um, to come up with a show. I did have in mind a TNA turning point, you know, uh, pay-per-view. But I'm going to defer to you. I'll let you have the I pick would... on this one. I I do have a show written down. And to be honest, I don't remember why I wrote it down. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I would love to do a TNA show. My problem is I have no idea where to watch them. I actually tried YouTubing for a few of them, and I struggle to find them. Okay. Do you have so, any suggestions? Besides, I'm sure, we'll f- I'm sure we'll find we'll find a way. Okay. <laughs> but in terms of a show, um, yeah, I had in my mind TNA Turning Point either 2004 which is the first one which is their december turning point is their december um pay-per-view or turning point 2007 which is the first year i believe that they introduced a a a thing called feast or fired which you probably have no idea what it is i've heard of it it's like a the briefcase type thing it is except you get fired Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you pick the wrong one, you get fired. Uh, it's okay. a really stupid concept. But let's let's say if we can try and go for two thousand and seven, then I think um, inter- the introduction the introduction of that because the show I think is heavily sort of Christmas uh, orientated, um, okay. and I think at that stage two thousand and seven, you've got the Dudley Boys on the show. Um, I think Raven is on that show. We'll see. It's gonna be let let's say that this is a surprise. Um, package. This is going to be a, a nice little present under the tree. Hopefully, it's not going to be dog shit in inside the box uh, underneath a bow. Um, but we're going to pick an old TNA pay per view, Turning Point, two thousand and seven, the very first Feast or Fired. God awful. I mean, it was terrible. But uh, we'll see what they do with it. See the presentation. See the. Hopefully, there's a nice David Zahadi video package promo on the way up to it, and. Uh, We'll uh, we'll leave that for our next one. So there's nothing left to do but uh, promote oh, ourselves, I guess. Oh, hold on. Uh, just in case we do not find this show, and we okay, we don't want to we don't want to lie to our audience, right? Okay. <laughs> we don't want to advertise. We're we're not WWE. We don't say we're gonna show one thing and show something else. Uh, my idea was actually same year, but it was Armageddon. Okay. So. Okay. So two thousand and two. 2007 2007 okay yeah so okay. interesting 
Could that maybe be we'll... our plan B, maybe? Why don't we put it to poll? Should we put it to poll? I don't know if we have... Why do we don't have, do we have enough viewers? <laughs> do we have enough viewers that would vote? We'll see. Uh, okay. Let's... Let's put it to a poll, and even if we vote on the poll ourselves and just see what, what way... Once we've had a look at the cards, let's see what way it turns out, and if anyone else out there wants to vote on it, it'll be on Twitter in the next couple of days. Uh, might be a slight delay in the episode coming out, uh, just because it's quite late now here. Um, but <laughs> I'll okay. certainly get onto it and get it out. I'm usually pretty quick with them, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but yes, there it is. So either Armageddon 2007 or... TNA Turning Point 2007 may the best pay-per-view win. Hopefully they're both not shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we'll enjoy them. I, I don't expect any, either one to be as good as Survivor Series, but please be better than Halloween Havoc 97. That's all I ask of you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, um, any, any anything you want to promote at the moment? No, I just want to wish everybody... Well, by the time Americans hear this, this is going to be after Thanksgiving, so... I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I hope you bought some nice things on Black Friday. I hope you didn't get trampled. I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and whatever else you celebrate around this time period around the world. And yeah, thank you for listening. That's my promotion right there. <laughs> okay, lovely. Uh, well, you can follow us uh, both at WrestleBlast Podcast. You can follow me at Lostero on Twitter. Uh, and you are at Andre. Just, just don't follow me. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Goodbye, folks. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs>